All right, Steve, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. We're in the, the 2020s now. Finally made it. Finally made it to the 20s. I sold my palatial country home so I could move to the urban landscape. Right. I've been down here enjoying the local uh, bars and music scene. Right. I've got this adorable Bob haircut going on right That's now. That's true. You How do. far away am I from buying a gorgeous gold sequin dress and becoming a flapper? <laughs> I would love that to happen. I would be a delight. That would be amazing. Right? Yeah, it's the ra- Roaring Twenties. Exactly. It seems mm-hmm. like I'm already sort of heading in that direction as we speak. Roaring Twenties, more like Roaring Bennies. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I replaced the TW with a B. That's why it's good. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, dead and lovely listeners, to the Flappinest Horror Movie Podcast in this universe and skadoo. beyond. 23 Skadoo. Why, it's dead and lovely here with the host with the most. Why, it is I... Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steve. But 1920s Hollywood. Hollywood land Steve. (laughs) Hollywood land Steve. Uh That's it. Yeah, it makes sense. And we're here today to be talking with you guys about the Day of the Dead, the Dia de la Muerta. That's it. And also shoot the shit, catch up, and drink ourselves some cold beers and stuff like that. So, yeah, I hope you guys are doing well. We're just buckling in here. We're going to be recording a couple podcasts, kind of back to back. Yeah. While I'm getting ready for my next voyage aboard, yeah, aboard Shiprocked. You're you're shoving off. That's right, man. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm setting sail. Are you? Uh, I really hope that you just learn a bunch of nautical terms. And okay. Just, yeah. And I want you port starboard. I, I want you to show up for the the cruise dressed like just fucking full admiral. That sounds like a good idea. And just telling people to tie off the mainsail and <laughs> <laughs> swap a poop deck. Yeah, yeah. Things like that. Yeah, that's how it's Maybe I do. Maybe do I do, man. How you been doing this week, Steve? Great. It's been great. Yeah. My, my wife's birthday was this week. Oh, so yeah. A little fun. birthday time, yeah. huh? Yeah, we had... Um, Finally 21. We definitely... Uh, are, we technically had two birthday dates. Look out. Because mm-hmm, uh, her parents wanted to take her out because... It was her birthday, and mm-hmm. they, like, love her and shit. Oh. Weird. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So, nice of them to do that. So we went to uh, Stock and Barrel, which we've mentioned a few times here on this podcast. My favorite my favorite burg in all the land. Really great hamburger. Um, also, tons and tons of whiskey. Mm-hmm. Lord but of mercy. everything there is awesome. Yeah, Just dude. great. So uh, that tomato salad. Oh, it's my favorite, dude. Ooh, I had it again. I was like, because I, I remember last time I had it, and I said it was maybe one of my favorite things I've ever eaten. And... I was super drunk because we had recorded that cocktail video oh with the God, notorious I RDM. Smashed. I was so I was like, maybe I'm not gonna love it as much. Ah, totally did. It's still so perfect. Just a perfect combo of salty and mm-hmm. tangy and just that great fruitiness from the olive oil. It's fucking awesome. Oh so yeah, good. it's a it's a good thing, as Martha yeah. Stewart might say. Mm-hmm. She would. <laughs> I believe she would say that. I bet she. I bet she regularly eats tomato salads. Sounds right. And cucumber sandwiches. Okay, yeah. yeah. Sounds right. Sounds like Sounds her. Right. And, but with her pinky up. Oh, of course. Mm. I've had myself a pretty good week. It's been crazy busy, though, man. Like, I was yeah. kind of thinking this this life of a bachelor I'm leading right mm-hmm. now while, while Kate's off in Thailand, I thought it would just be chicken dinners every night and, um, you know, a different <laughs> a different prostitute. Why wouldn't it be? All the time. Yeah. Is Roxy busy? Always busy. Yeah. Aww. She's a working girl. She is. That's true. But yeah, I've really just kind of been slammed, honestly. We had like a skankbanger show the other night. Yeah. I've had a bunch of other things, some recording and things like that mm. going on. So I've not really had time to watch a whole lot of stuff other than, than Kate's awesome videos of 
Thailand yeah. that she's been sending yeah, me. Yeah, I saw I saw the tattoo video and stuff. Yeah, yeah my wife got one of them hammer smash tattoos. Mm-hmm. Hammer smash smash tattoo. <laughs> that sounds brutal, doesn't it? <laughs> hammer smash tattoo. Yeah, uh, fucking awesome stuff. So you you've been busy. But I had this whole backlog of things that I watched while you were gone That's for a while. Right. So I got some stuff. Tell me about some stuff, Steve. But most recently, I started playing Final Fantasy VI. So I've actually never played it. It's a great one. That's one of those ones that, you know, again, I'm, I'm an RPG geek for those old school ones and stuff, uh-huh. but I never got around to playing it. That's been on my yeah. like to-do list since probably since it came well, out. Because I remember like when it came out, dude, it was all over like the Nintendo Huge, Power yeah. and Game Pro and all those. And I never played it either. I didn't play it. Yeah. I watched my cousin play it. Yeah. So I yeah, watched I him play some, the entire game, but I never actually played I had some friends that were like really, really into uh-huh. it, you know? So I watched them play the game too. And uh, and again, I like obsessively read cover to cover every old school video yeah. game magazine I could get my hands yeah. on. So it's like... I know a lot of the premise of the game, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of the characters and stuff like that, but I've just never fucking played it, man. Yeah, I'm missing out. Well, I mean, you, we live in a time where you can you can just go onto your internet there yeah. and download an emulator and download the ROM. Well, I've got that play. Retron 5 over there, too, that I can play all well, of those old go. school so games you already on. Have a, I was going to say, you need yeah. a controller. You already have one. Yeah, so I already have one. <laughs> also, I already have like a memory card with boom. every old school game, seriously, ever on yeah. it. Yeah, so boom. There yeah. you go. Just so all I need. Up. Oh, is time. Yeah. That, that's also been my <laughs> How do I issue. Get that? Was like I, I had this huge list of games that I'm like, oh, I need to play this game. And finally I was like, well, fucking just pick one then. So like the option well, why paralysis not pick is real. one of the greatest of all time that you just haven't played. Yeah, dude. So I did it. I started playing it and I was like, okay, I get it. How's <laughs> I get the soundtrack and stuff. Is it's it amazing. Yeah, that's what yeah. I've always heard. It's amazing. The sprite work is great. Like it. They really, because it was late in the Super Nintendo's life yeah. that that came out. One so of the they, last great ones. Yeah, so it's it's so great. Like, just really enjoying that game. But I've also watched some stuff. What have you been watching? Watched John Wick 3 the other day. Dude, it seems like it, it has to be awesome because John Wick 1 and 2 are two of the greatest action yeah. movies ever made. It is awesome. It is amazing. It Fuck. gets just epic. And it, it's always been an opera it's basically an opera. Yeah, it's so grand and, it just and ridiculous. Gets super operatic at a certain point, just beautiful. And it's also like playing on mythology and playing on. Uh, I would say honestly that it's 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 like somebody was like, I love the games Hitman and Assassin's Creed. Why what can't we I, do both? What if I made that but Keanu Reeves? And <laughs> I don't even know how long it took the executive to say sold, but I bet it was like halfway through the sentence. Sold. Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's great. I, I just love, I love the whole mythology. and everything. But like what I'm saying specifically about Assassin's Creed's connection to it is their, their mythology is similar. They're so, definitely taking from Assassin's Creed, but okay. I'm fine with that because they made that Assassin's Creed movie and it sucks shit. Oh, I heard it's terrible. So to make, yeah. make an awesome movie that uses the premise of Assassin's Creed. But does it right. But does it right? Fuck yes. So how does it stack up to one and two? Um, I, I think it's... I think one is always going to have the advantage of being so out of nowhere and so... Like we nobody expected no that huh? yeah no that that was one that to me yeah. was such a huge surprise <laughs> yeah maybe I've told this on the podcast before I can't remember but there was one night that Kate and I were at the house 
and we were just both like i think it was like a fajitas and rita's night where we uh-huh. were both just full and fat and fu- fucking full of drunk, tequila yeah. you know and it was like what do you want to watch and i was like i don't know i've heard this action movie with keanu reeves is good and it's like seriously he's like 50 something year old keanu reeves in an action right. movie whatever let's watch it and like pretty much as soon as it started we were both like this is fucking awesome yeah and then maybe about halfway through the movie my friend josh my lifelong buddy josh yeah texted old me old jr mm-hmm. he texted me to tell me he's like yo i just proposed to brooke and she said yes i'm gonna <laughs> get married and i texted about i was like dude that's awesome have y'all seen john wick it's fucking sick <laughs> It's <laughs> a perfect response. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, one great thing. Here's another awesome yeah, thing. Have you heard about this other awesome thing? <laughs> Just buckle up because you're yeah. gonna you're gonna watch this movie. I mean, I know you're excited mind. now. But yeah, but John Wick. <laughs> uh, I I think maybe what I would say is some of the fight choreography is a little bit slower in three than okay. in one. But I mean, he's older. Well, he's I was 50, say, like, almost sixty now. To right? compare it to part one, is kind of like well, most everything is slower than the fight yeah. choreography in that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's great, and I'm I'm excited for whatever they do in the future. Do you think it's gonna keep going? I hope so. Why not? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's uh, they. Uh, I mean, I mean, won't spoil the ending, but it's like. Uh, there's definitely possibilities not even having to do John Wick himself. You could use any of those other characters, but there, there are a ton of characters in that universe that could have their own film. Yeah. Like you just have to be smart about it. You have to do it the same as John Wick. Like if you're, if you're trying to maybe flesh out the universe, I don't, I don't know exactly where you go. Maybe just an entire movie about the hotel. <laughs> like, yeah, no this. doubt. Like that you could, could be do cool. an anthology of assassin stories coming well, in and out of the hotel like, it's obviously like that organization that that's a long-standing yeah. thing i mean it's not like this is the first generation of them yeah or oh, it, in part three they they set up so much stuff that they don't explain that it's obvious there's going to be sequels what studio put that out i do not know is that paramount i can't not remember positive. so i'm thinking if it's one of those like disney owned ones <laughs> dude, I think by the time we get to like yeah. John Wick, maybe six or seven. Put him in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> no, dude, it's him versus Cruella DeVille. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to kill all the dogs for my fur coats. He's Cruella. like, not today, bitch. <laughs> I heard about you. <laughs> You're one of them dog killing types, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be the crossover of this entry. Yeah. I like, I'd like to get a pull to that great yeah. idea, Let's Steve. Dare. Let's get ourselves a sippity sip of something here. From a man, Jeff Rupert, who contributed us some great yeah. co beers from had a upstate couple New York last week on the um, feast episode. That's right. Had that winter warmer, which boy, howdy, I love man, that. That man. was great. Yeah, and that habanero mango, habanero mango sour. Yeah. It was good and unique. It was very unique. Yeah, the 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 heat I really enjoyed. It was a spicy meatball. Yeah. Thanks so much to Jeff for sending those in. And just a reminder, you guys can send us your favorite beers from your hometown. Hell yeah. Uh, you can email us for an address. We're going to be getting a P.O. box soon, but currently we use Ben's place of employment. <laughs> That's right. You're doggone right. Yeah. So yeah, just let us know if you got something you want us to check out here on the show. Yeah. Uh, we are currently drinking a K2 Bros Ooh. Brewing this is their fruit punch gosa. That's what it smells like. It's fruit punch. It, yeah, it's like a nice pale red kind yeah. of color. It doesn't look like artificially no. like like fucking Hawaiian punch or anything. Yeah, no, like it that. definitely looks like it was brewed uh, to to get that. Yeah, sort of hue because it's still golden, just like a, a little bit strawberry of golden. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it describes itself as a fruited gosa. It's a four percenter 
with an IBU of five, so it should be a pretty yeah. light drinker. What's that do for you? Just find out about it here. It's got a little bit of a frothy top on top of this thing here. Oh, that'd be dangerous. Oh, you're not kidding. Yeah. There's no detectable alcohol yeah. in that whatsoever. And it's it's hardly sour even. Like yeah. it's not sweet. It's delightful. It's dry. It's yeah. still dry. It's not sweet. But it this cause it's like refreshing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm very okay with that, man. Dude, if it was a hot summer day, oh yeah. Give me a couple two tree mm -hmm. of those. I'm gonna be good to go. You know, go. maybe this is my replacement. Cause like I, I do love Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I love it. Uh I I I was obsessed with it for a little while when we moved back here to Tennessee. I don't know why. I just wanted I wanted fried chicken and Kool-Aid so bad. <laughs> Welcome back to the South. Well, and the thing is, I was having more trouble finding fried chicken here than I would in L.A. Word. That seems strange. <laughs> and there are places in L.A. that sell fried chicken that also sell Kool-Aid. But there's a place here in uh, Knoxville that does that as well. Yeah? Uh, down on Magnolia. So Okay. Yeah. Uh, but... This is adult, like, fizzy Kool-Aid, which is right. exactly what you would want. <laughs> I'm okay with that. That is a true delight. It really just kind of tastes like a like a Welch's sparkling juice. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is it. You know? That's it. It's got the same sort of, uh, like, low carbonation, uh -huh. but, like, still that, yeah. Nice that and sort of fruity, fruity tasting. Uh-huh. It doesn't taste like an artificial fruit flavor. No, here, not really at all. Nice. That, that just tastes delicious. Yeah, that's great. Thanks again, mm. Jeff. That's a fantastic yeah, beverage stuff. Thanks, right there. You were telling me that you've been uh, you've been getting into a little bit of fancy book reading. I did finally yeah? pick up a book. It's a little uh, prequel to My Little Pony called All the Pretty Horses by all Cormac the pretty horses. McCarthy. Yeah. Now, I'm, Star Song has not showed up yet. And I'm wondering, okay. like, I don't know. Maybe that's how it ends. Currently, it just seems like a dark Western. Oh. But I, I'm guessing, yeah, maybe that's at the ending. Like, it's all dark and dark and dark. And then the My Little Ponies show up and happiness and light. I mean, it makes sense. Sounds like a Cormac McCarthy yeah. ending to me. I think it does. That's probably how it ends is yeah. hopeful and uplifting. Yeah. <laughs> so what made you choose that book in particular? I'm a Cormac McCarthy fan. In particular, I was looking at either Cormac McCarthy or uh, Ernest Hemingway because uh, the thing that I think that I dislike so much when I start to read a writer is too much flowery speech. Okay. And those guys just state everything plain. They get straight to yeah. the full color pictures yeah. right away. That is not my own writing style. It's not even my favorite reading style. But I knew that if I did it, I would. It because and it worked. Like the first, I like each sentence. I easily was visualizing it. Okay, cool. And whenever like people get flowery and have overly complex sentence structures, sometimes I have a lot of because I have ADD. I have a lot of trouble like visualizing what they're going for. Like the words are disjointed sometimes to mm -hmm. me so so go to hell c.s lewis <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> but i mean like one of my favorite authors is henry james and that i mean that's how he writes so I, I do like that style of writing it's just that to get back into reading i thought plain simple and something i love westerns so and cormac mccarthy who I, i've read his books before and always enjoyed uh and i had forgotten that he was from knoxville no way. Yeah, he was born in Rhode that. Island, but his family moved to Knoxville when he was four. Lived in Sequoia Hills and then in South Knoxville. Well, shit. I had uh -huh. no idea about that. Yeah. Huh. So far, so good, though? You like it? Yeah, it's great. I'm enjoying it. I mean, I he's just, he's a really good, like, you don't need flowery words to be so perfectly descriptive. Like, a, just a bold statement makes it really clear. 
I only read the on. books that Oprah recommends. <laughs> she did recommend a Cormac McCarthy book. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember <laughs> which one it was. It was like in 2005, maybe. I've maybe read that The was Road. Blood no. Uh, Blood Murray was The yeah. Road is great. Boy, it is grim. It's very I grim. I mean, if you a thought baby the movie... Eat. A baby get eat. Yeah. There's a, a basement full of people that are going to be used for meat. Yeah. 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 If you yeah, thought you know, the movie but, was grim, the book is yeah. tenfold. Uh, this movie here probably inspired some of that. I'll say I that see for that. sure. The post-apocalyptic. post-apocalyptic. Pretty yeah. grim, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Huh, no doubt, man. I think so. Dude, I've not had time, like I said, to watch a whole lot. But the other night, I was um, I was editing some video stuff. And I said to myself, Self, hey, what's up? <laughs> hey, man, how you doing? And then you had to go, like, you know how you are with yourself, so you had, like, a 20-minute gab sesh before you finally got to what you were going to do. Pretty much. And uh, I was like, I should put on, like, some kind of cool Argento movie, something that's just, like, visually cool that I don't have to pay that much attention to. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I decided to put on one that I hadn't seen before called the Stendhal Syndrome. Stendhal Syndrome, Stendhal? Stendhal. 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 Spindle. Spindlerenal. Dude, it's Spider-Man. The Spider-Man syndrome. You watch Spider-Man. Awesome. Yeah. By Dario Argento. Exactly. I can't imagine what that would be. <laughs> oh Wonderful. my God. Yeah. Now I want, I want it. That. I want it. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen Stendhal syndrome? Uh-uh. It's really fucking weird. I bet. It is. <laughs> Wait, an Argento movie? Are yeah, you sure? Really? Yeah, yeah. I expect Maybe it to be very isn't. normal. <laughs> uh, this is really fucking weird, okay. man. I know that some people kind of regard it as one of his last truly great pictures that he's yeah, done. Yeah, because it's been... I mean, he's been making movies, but it's been a while since anybody's cared about him. Yeah. I mean, that Dracula movie in like 2000. A lot of people hate it. People just hate it. Yeah, I've never seen it. Uh, this movie's really weird. Like, it is. Uh, it's about this this chick who gets like ultra overwhelmed whenever she sees like paintings and stuff. It's just like the visual okay. stimuli is just too much, and she almost goes into like a trance and stuff when she uh-huh. sees like fine art and stuff like this. I gotcha. And she's like a detective on the case of this like brutal uh, like serial killer rapist guy. Wait, he rapes serial killers? He rapes serial killers. And they're killers. trying to stop him? <laughs> Let him go. <laughs> off, did, off you go. Could you tell us who they are? <laughs> I didn't see nothing. <laughs> Dude, uh, the thing is, is like... I'm not even really. I'm gonna. I'm not really gonna say this is a movie everybody should watch. It has some horrific, awful rape depictions in it. Very, very hardcore, hyper disturbing sexual violence in this movie that uh, I can't really say is something that I enjoy seeing on on the silver screen. Steve. No, no, and especially I like. I don't know that the giallo feel would make it any better. No, it doesn't. No. And then the thing is that gets really fucked up is like, the, I mean, the main character in the movie, the, the detective that gets overwhelmed by art and stuff like that, I think gets raped like twice in the movie. Jesus. Also, he cast his own daughter to be her. That's Asia Argento. Oh, yeah. Well, then also... Uh, it's occur- really fucked up. There's also that seen in demons or is it demons 2 with her like she was cast he produced it she was cast to be like almost raped by an older man yeah yeah that's weird man it's it's strange it's strange i I can't really imagine why you would be like i wanted to see my baby adata Mm. on the screen in my movie Mm. in these circumstances i mean maybe 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 it's a situation where like he he 
likes to play out his nightmares on film and maybe, well, howdy. maybe it's not as weird. Yeah. As weird. I mean, <laughs> just say something Argento did is weird though. <laughs> Who would have ever expected? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't really know how I feel about this. It also features some just dog shit CGI in it. Oh. Like so bad. Like whenever you see those clips of like Indian Spider-Man and stuff like that, <laughs> like that level or, or just that, uh, uh, Scorpion King. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that, that was level. a big budget Hollywood movie, and it <laughs> looks <the> horrendous. <laughs> yeah, so I don't really, I don't really know about that. It's been really, really okay. strange. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> you been up to anything else this week? Yeah. Um. Well, I did want to mention one thing. Yeah. And that is the Golden Girls. The Golden Girls. I mean, I'm not the first person. I won't be the last person. I don't think anybody's ever going to shut up about this. Okay. That show is too good. This is too strange because this is the second time today I've talked with a friend about the Golden Girls. It's so good. Because our, our drummer, Andy Campbell, uh-huh. uh, he put up some some clips of him playing with Smooth Sailor, Knoxville's uh-huh. Yacht Rock Sensation. Right. He put up some clips of him playing with Smooth Sailor on Instagram, and one of the likes that he got was from... The guy who wrote the Golden Girls theme song. Holy shit. Thank you for being a friend. Yeah, he fucking wrote it and liked his Instagram post. So That's this amazing. Is, and that was just a few hours ago. Yeah. So this is weird you bring this up. Dude, the Golden Girls is so fucking good. I mean, the Mitch Hurwitz, who created Arrested Development, worked on Golden Girls. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like, there are a ton of people, a ton of names attached to I mean, Quentin Tarantino was also in the Golden Girls. No shit. Yeah. No way. As an Elvis impersonator. What in the fuck? Yep. <laughs> what? What universe have I woken up it's in? I didn't know right? about this. Yeah. Well, so, damn. Like, I, I think I, I think uh, maybe a year ago I mentioned Cheers. Like, I had gone back and watched some Cheers, and it was like, oh, this is actually it still stands up. Uh, Cheers though is a little more hokey than I would say Golden Girls is. Golden Girls did something that it was like all in the family mash model, where it was also able to get deep and just stay deep, and it didn't have to be a joke. Hmm. So that's cool. Right on, man. One of these days, I will. Uh, I'll play Final Fantasy three slash six <laughs> and watch the Golden Girls simultaneously. Golden Girls. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it on an old TV that has picture oh, in dude, picture. Dude, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, dude. Did you ever have a TV with that? No, picture in picture. I, oh, I remember. Man, we totally be playing the video game yeah. in the corner and scrolling TV on the uh, on the big part, <laughs> living like kings, like kings. just like kings, man. <laughs> Well, Steve, the subject of our show today is the Day of the Dead from 1985, and this stands out to me because it was one of a multitude of incredible horror movies that came out in the year of our Lord, 1985. 1985 was just a great year in general for movies. Hey, we should write a song about it. <laughs> dun, 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 something and... 1985. There you go. That's the chorus, right? Yes. Madonna. In 1985. <laughs> it's a hit. Trademark Dan Lovely. We did it. We did it, dude. There uh, was so much good shit. Like, yeah, and it's crazy, too, because this is the follow-up to 1984, which is one of the greatest yeah, of movies the, yes. in film history, period. Exactly. Like... This was just a booming period for great movies. I mean, like Back to the Future came out in 85, Goonies, The Breakfast Club, Weird Science. Good Lord. Uh, it's like when John some Hughes of my ruled favorites the earth. As a, yeah, some of my favorites as a kid, like Clue and Commando. Like 85 was just a really good year for movies. And I mean, I just named all those and people would be like, you just said really good in all those movies in the same sentence. <laughs> those movies are the movies of like 
child like childhood for me yeah. but they're also still good movies most of them still hold up totally and also there were i guess like movies that you would watch today and be like oh this is a cinematic masterpiece from 1985 but why name them yeah, everybody right. knows about it we'll go with the fun stuff yeah weird science there you go and there were so many sick horror flicks yes in 85 that we just had to narrow it down to our top 10 yeah. horror flicks that came out <laughs> and by the way the fact that we can name 10 and, and like looking through cuz like there were fewer movies made in the 80s like it took a lot more to get a movie made back then oh yeah to be able to name a top 10, 10 and them. looking at the top 10 to be like i'd watch any of those movies right now totally right it means that there are so many good movies in 85 i mean horror i movies. mean even though we have such a big independent horror thing going on right now in 2020 we're still lucky yeah. to get you know three or four that are like really outstanding like yeah. great ass horror flicks mm -hmm. and here we had to narrow it down yeah so, so awesome I, I say before we get into the movie review portion of the show let's just step on into the preview palace bienvenidos a preview palace oh wow international mm -hmm. i like that and let's talk about our top 10 horror flicks that came out in 1985 now there's a lot to choose from here mm -hmm. and these of course are our personal opinions which yes, some of, of you guys will agree and disagree about yeah, I would, whatever i would love to know your all's opinion on what you guys think are the best so if you uh if you have some that we didn't mention, be sure to comment on like the Facebook page or Instagram yeah, post or whatever. Let us know what your favorites from eighty five were. But Steve, I'm gonna kick off this top ten uh -huh. with a little movie that we covered, I think the first year of No Vampire. Yes. Right? Like uh -huh. two years ago, something like two that. Two years ago, huh? Why I'm talking about one Fright Night. Yeah. Oh, and people are definitely gonna disagree with putting this at ten. Yeah. Because people love this movie. A lot of people we love it. it less. Yeah. But it's, it's not my favorite. It's still fun. I'm really annoyed by that one guy. That guy's just You're fucking, so cool, uh, Brewster. Cool There's just a lot of like really annoying shit yeah. in that movie. But Ronnie McDowell's hilarious in it. Yeah. He does a good job as the the vampire hunter who accidentally ran into a vampire. <laughs> Basically it's like it's like a a, a Laurel and Hardy movie. Like Laurel yeah. and Hardy meet the vampire. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those deals that, you know. I think that if you're any fan of horror, especially 80s horror, it's just kind of required Yeah, it's watching. a big one. Yeah, it's not necessarily the best or anything like it's that. It's got but cool effects. It does have some sure. cool effects in it. Yeah, some of the transformations mm -hmm. and stuff like that are pretty dope. Again, I know a lot of people love that one. Less so for us, but it still deserves yeah, to be on this definitely. list. What do you know about hit number nine on this the list? The stuff. The stuff. Are yes. you eating it or is it eating you? <laughs> it's an so, entirely normal yeah. movie that yep. anybody with a rational mind would make. Uh -huh, yeah, just like cue the winged serpent. <laughs> oh, wait, same guy. <laughs> this guy's so weird. I can't weird. remember the guy that directed it. What I can't his remember name? his name either, but he's, he's a weirdo. We uh, will eventually yeah. do the stuff for sure. And uh, did he direct Chud? I, I'm not positive on that. I don't that. think he did Chud. No, I might not, be wrong yeah. about that. Anyway. The stuff is mental. The stuff is crazy. But it's also a good movie. Like, it's really cool. It's all it's about like consumerism fun. and stuff. Yeah. And you've got like Chocolate Chip Charlie. And, and how over the characters. top the main character is. Just I love that guy. That actor. And the, the director uses him a lot. Yeah. And he uses him in Cue the Winged Serpent and stuff like that. But he he's just... He's so able to be like... He's too calm in the wrong moments and too over the Way top. Way intense and, Yeah, in other just parts. like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I love it. It is totally like a bum's fever dream of a movie. Uh -huh. 
Like it, it's some bum that passed out after drinking too much like mouthwash yeah. filtered through white bread. <laughs> oh no. And he just woke up and started writing down his dreams. Oh mouthwash filtered through white bread. <laughs> that's some hobo culture for yep, you right there, man. That's it. That is how it works. <laughs> so bizarre, but an enjoyable watch uh overall. Now number eight that we came up with here on our list is a it's one of those ones that I remember from childhood from seeing the box. <laughs> yeah, the box art is like so famous and it's ghoulies. Yeah, dude. Yeah. With with that little fucking goblin dude popping up out of the commode. Yeah. Used I, to just terrify me as a kid. I man. love ghoulies and uh, it's directed by Tabor, Tabor Takach, who also directed Rockula, which is one we did on a Friday night oh, movie, wow. which is just terrible. Uh, anyway, Ghoulies is so... Because, like, the box art leads you to believe that those creatures have a whole lot to do with the movie. And it they really kinda, don't. It seems kind of gremlin-y or something. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, look at these little mis- mischievous misbehaviors. Right, but they're barely involved. They're just kind of no. there to look cool. They're these two little people involved. Oh, yeah, yeah that's That are right. magic. And it's, it's crazy. But then also there's but- a punk rock party going on <laughs> with some of the weirdest oh, yeah, lines. Right. <laughs> and the thing is, because I've rewatched this. Re- I've rewatched actually all these that we're talking about pretty recently i rewatched it recently it's a pleasant watch yeah. i just had fun like well, I, it, maybe it from, is so bad it's good yeah but like i it's just well, it's so weird animatronics and stuff are really good too great. though is the yeah. thing and i was shocked whenever i watched it to find out that it wasn't really about a you know little rascal style band of little goblins and stuff <laughs> no. it's mainly about satanic ritual yes. <laughs> like, like satan what? specifically <laughs> what is going what on in here? the fuck man <laughs> Yeah, it is. Uh, it is far out, but yeah. just a really fun watch, man. Mm-hmm. I, I think Ghoulies Two is more of what you think that the first one's going to be. Okay, yeah, Ghoulies Two is more of like those things killing people. But gotcha. Ghoulies One just sets up this real weird world of satanic rituals and weird puppets and uh, punk rock kids having a party for some reason at like like a cemetery i, I think don't so. it's like a, it's like a huge house and there are definitely graves on site <laughs> and there's a couple parts in there too where like i think the main guys like eyes are glowing and stuff because uh-huh. yeah he's like he oh but man. they kind of fucked the effect up and he kind of has like like he's like kind of cockeyed yes. like you know <laughs> i think like his contacts are like swiveling around yeah. on his eyes Go check. i mean you know definitely fright night is a more polished movie than that but Ghoulies is Polished a lot fun. and fun aren't necessarily the same thing. Now, Steve, if you're looking for number seven on this list and you're thinking, man, I want to see something what's got a werewolf in it, maybe he is related to a Steve King. And I hope somebody can't use their damn legs in it. <laughs> I love it Silver when people bullet. can't use their legs in a movie. Yeah, I love bullet. it. Silver Bullet's awesome. It is. It's a fun movie. Like it, Gary it, Busey. It's yes, Gary Busey. <laughs> it's right in there too with like the Ghoulies Monster Squad thing where it's kids playing out the adventure. So like it's I don't know. It has a bit more like wonder to it and stuff. But then like the vampire or the vampires, the werewolves. Yeah. Eh, they're they look okay. They, look, they don't eh, look great. They're not great. But it's cool that they exist. Yeah. <laughs> in definitely. the movie. And Gary Busey and all of his teeth. God damn. They're all up in but that movie. But he's also not that crazy in the movie. It's... He drinks all the time. Uh-huh. Which makes me wonder, do you think like he ever gets really drunk and like beats his kids and he's like, you guys ready for some Gary Busey? Oh, no. What do you think? Think oh, that happens? Oh, Gary Busey. 
<laughs> Gary Abusey. Somebody has to. Anybody, any YouTube personality listening right now, we're going to write off. You can make a Gary you Abusey can do video. Non trademark dead. Non trademark dead. I would love to see it, though. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not making it, but I will watch it. Yeah, I would it. definitely watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a ridiculous flick. I love that crazy motorized wheelchair he builds for the kid that goes like 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Very, very unsafe, very impractical. Uh, but it is definitely a fun watch. Now, this is going to be followed up here on our list with number six, uh-huh. which is something. It's a taste of the old country, Steve. It is. It's got a little bit of spaghetti with it's it. It's just like Noni used to make. Uh-huh. I'm talking about demons. Demons. That's it is old Baba movie. flick right there. The, the the costumes, those are like demon costume effects yeah, dude. are so awesome. Yes, they are. It uh, is a crazy, weird, ridiculous, yeah, over giallo, the top, dubbed Italian flick. Weird. Uh-huh. But, but I like that. Yeah. It, it is fun. It's strange. There's some sort of ceremony. Also, like... Yeah, there's uh, a ceremony. Ghoulies, there's there, a know. weird ceremony going on, and there are weird creatures. Go- Actually, ghoulies and demons have a pretty lot similar. in common. Now that I think about it, pretty fucking similar. That's weird. <laughs> anyway, okay. But it is awesome. Yeah, they're both, they're both just strange, strange movies, but also real fun and the, I mean, those costumes though in Demons are so great. Yeah. Like so, they shot them perfectly. Definitely, like they're most all shot in dark and and like from a distance. But you can tell the detail on them is there. They were probably just trying to hide zippers or whatever a little bit. But, but the detail the is end. definitely there. It looks great. Yeah, that's definitely a fun flick, man. That's one that we'll definitely have to do on the show sometime oh, too. Yeah, for I, sure. I feel like as far as like the Italian stuff, we we've just done Argento. Yeah, we haven't done anything. And no yeah, no Baba, no anything like that. No, either of the Babas. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now we also had a new installment of a classic horror franchise that came out that yeah. we're gonna put here at number five. Yeah, and admittedly this is weak in this series but friday the 13th 5 the new beginning uh it does have some good kills it does and it has the classic um the the post like what is she like new wave sort of emo goth (laughs) like it's got her dancing it's got of course all the boobs a young man could want Uh uh-huh uh, but, but good kills, but then like the twist sucks. It's, yeah, yeah. It just it sucks, but uh, it's thing, okay. It's okay. It's okay. Like it's brutal. There's a particular like the kill where the guy gets like like a belt around his neck and he's, like, oh yeah, twisting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's like around brutal. a tree or something. Yeah, yeah, that is brutal. Yeah, there's some good stuff. Oh, it's like around his head, I think, and then it just like, crushes, kind of crushes his head. him yeah. or something. Yeah, it's still a fun watch. Yeah. I mean, I'm just a sucker for any of the Friday Thirteenth movies. I I just want to see people getting maimed and killed in ridiculous ways by yeah. a hockey mask and that delivers on all that you know i just realized in part five three different people kill someone and not one of them is jason Voorhees. No because shit. the guy at the beginning the kills the, the slower guy who yeah. loves candy bars uh-huh then um the the guy who's pretending to be jason and uh-huh. then the people who kill him oh in the end yeah i guess so so jason Voorhees not responsible for any of those deaths let him off the hook, y'all. Yeah, guys. 
<laughs> he's not too bad. Yeah, he's not so bad after all. Voorhees 2020. Got to have a day off every now and then. I'm voting Voorhees Kruger 2020. Yeah, same. On I'm the on Republican board with that. ticket. <laughs> They're monsters. Yeah, they, they kill children. <laughs> <laughs> they hate sex. They do. They hate it. <laughs> you know, that's kind of funny. I guess a lot of our classic horror icons do turn out to be kind of conservative and Republican. Yeah, yeah they do. I hate that sex and drugs. <laughs> do you think like maybe stop I'll- partying? What it would have like a hundred cruise is like yeah. an enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> what what if like a hundred years from now, when when all this stuff is just so antiquated that it's not like relevant at all, and most yeah. people have forgotten who these people are, and they're only legends in their time. Right. What if we had a whole series of like. Mitch McConnell's nightmare. Uh, <laughs> dude. <laughs> Ted Cruz's what? house of like, horrors. I can't imagine being in Mitch McConnell's head for 10 minutes. Oh, my God. It sounds dude. like torture. <laughs> You're just thinking like, oh, I've got this big heavy shell on my back and my oh, neck is so long. Oh, I want to hide from predators. <laughs> oh, no, I've fallen on my back. How do I get up? <laughs> I want to see that series yeah. of movies. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> That's awesome. That's something I need in my life right there. <laughs> Oh, shit. Okay, coming in at number four right here, we have a movie that was sort of based on a little Harry Potter Lovecraft. Yeah, Harry Potter Lovecraft. Short story about uh-huh. a Herbert West mm-hmm. and his love of reanimating. Yeah, the reanimator. Or just reanimator, sorry. That's right. Reanimator. Awesome movie. It's a really cool flick. So great. Very fun. Deals with the horror of, uh, of science and stuff. Yeah, kind of a sure. Michael Crichton-ish in a Which way. Which also this movie deals with. I can see that, yeah. I'm I just... Talking through these movies, you can see a lot of similar things running through people's minds in 85. Yeah. This definitely, um, the the Frankenstein Doctor and Day of the Dead and, and Herbert West are very similar I in think a lot so. of ways. Uh, it's, it's definitely a movie that can, gets a little silly at times. It does. But it's like, that's its charm. Like, it, it's not Lovecraftian. As, as you would expect it. Like, if you love Lovecraft and you sit down to watch Reanimator, you might like it for other reasons, but it's not like the dark Lovecraftian no. stuff you would expect. It's dark, but it's also like a bit silly, comedic, uh, but still just a, a fun, really fun cool watch. watch yeah. For sure. Did you hear that there's apparently going to be some kind of a a trilogy of, of yeah. Lovecraft movies? Yeah, Color Out of Space just came out. I didn't know that that was the start of a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am interested. I mean, we got Nicolas Cage in the first installment, yeah. so but hope. I mean, fingers crossed. Hopefully we could awesome. get an entire sort of Lovecraftian universe built, but we do always have to address the fact that Lovecraft was a vehement racist. Yeah, and it, how far do we lean into Lovecraft before <laughs> we're leaning the wrong way? I mean, the stories were pretty bitching. Yeah, yeah. The personal life, mm-hmm. less bitching. Yeah, the entire idea of things... <laughs> I think I've got to write a, a biography about him called A Life Less Bitching. A Life Less Bitching. The H.P. Lovecraft, Lovecraft story. <laughs> yeah, I would read that. That sounds great. So yeah, that that's interesting to me. To, to see that but I, I know that uh, Brandon Wood is seeing Color Out of Space right now oh snap as we speak report back and let us know how you did soldier hmm <laughs> alright we're closing in on the top three right here these are the biggies and uh, for number three we have selected uh-huh. the episode that was the the uh, the virginal voyage yeah, of this very the podcast. first episode of this podcast. I didn't realize that Phenomena by Adario Argento 
a pizza. Everybody's favorite immortal space vampire. Linguini. Dario Argento. Mm-hmm. I love this movie and Jennifer Connelly and yeah, little and fish face kid. And that crazy kid. Yeah, bugs. A pool full of maggots. We worship you. Yeah, we worship you, which is somehow bullying. I don't know. And uh, fucking Donald uh, Pleasance. Pleasance being insane and having a pet monkey. And having a pet monkey. There's not enough pet monkeys in horror movies. What do we got? We got monkey shines and we got phenomena. I think that's about (laughs) it. it. Yeah, that's all there is in monkey core. I mean, maybe you could toss Congo into that. That's a little bit of a stretch. It is almost a horror movie, I guess. But I do love Phenomena. It's just so strange and stupid. It is. It's a weird one. Iron Maiden and Motorhead on the soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack's great. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. I understand it's not for everybody, but I love it. I would say for sure, some people are probably listening to our list and be like, you guys said there were a lot of good movies that came out. (laughs) You named a whole bunch of shit. (laughs) These are great movies. I love them, though. I love them. I'm fine with it. Now, the top two here... Yeah, we couldn't, uh, we couldn't really fully narrow decide. It down. Yeah, so There's two here that ended up at the top of the list. And again, I'm interested to hear where you guys think about it, too. I don't yeah. know which one you guys think is the superior flick. I, w- I would say a lot of people would say Fright Night. <laughs> but Probably. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we narrowed it down to... Elm Street 2. Freddy's Revenge. Return of the Living Dead. It's now, hard to choose, man. It is hard to choose. Because Return of the Living Dead is fun and is a lot of dumb fun... But it's so memorable. So many so memorable, memorable characters. And it, it, it gets, it's got its own depth at times, but it's mostly just a fun 80, like really playing into the punk thing, very 80s. Like, And Linnea Quigley with no visible genitalia. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. They just took that out. <laughs> They're like, scoop that Cover out. Cover it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's great. And then also Elm Street 2. Elm Street 2 is one that, People are much maligned. We've yeah. talked about it many times. If you haven't on the show. listened to our episode, go back and listen to it. Uh, Very I, groundbreaking, way ahead yeah. of its time commentary and we're not on the sexuality. First, yeah, we're not the first podcast to say it. No, of yeah, course not. Other people have recognized this. That this the uh, Elm Street Two had had a unique perspective, and in fact, all of those first four seem to have a unique perspective. So, like, it fits in perfectly because there was no mold yet. But it also adds such a cool wrinkle to the whole thing and, and kind of makes... I mean, yeah, it makes uh, makes Freddy's, like, appearance almost uh, connected to trying to suppress sexual desire and, and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 It's really interesting. It's funny that it was such a, a bomb and fans didn't like it at all because it didn't follow the formula. And it's like, you've just seen part one. Right. There's one movie. What formula? What's the formula? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, how could you predict where this series is going off of one movie? Well, there was a final boy instead of a final girl. It's completely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Boys are up? supposed to die. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the, that the is the basis of that thought. Boys are supposed to die. I guess so. Yeah, it's hard for me to choose between the two. Because like you said, Return of the Living Dead is just so fun. Yeah. But I think there's like more to say about Uh Nightmare 2. Yeah, and I think Nightmare 2 actually um, maybe has more meaning now. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, uh, dealing with uh, homosexuality, uh, LGBT issues in the early to mid 80s kind of got derailed by HIV. Like... The presence of the HIV crisis 
really made it easy to marginalize even further True. and just say yeah. like oh they're diseased like right push them off over there and so a movie that that seems to very directly deal with it like deal with with uh his uh gay urges but also but trying like, to hide them and trying to hide them whatever. and be this yeah. normal person but making him come out as a monster basically yeah, yeah. Well, we say normal is like heteronormal right yeah there's nothing not abnormal about being but gay. yeah but the, i mean that is that is the attempt right is to appear normal right right exactly. if you're if you're trying to pass you're trying to suppress what you are you're trying to appear what you think is normal so it it, it maybe has more impact now than it did then because people were less connected to the issue like maybe people had uh, p fewer people would have known their friends were gay most likely mm -hmm. like you had gay friends you just didn't know because he was married and had three kids because he couldn't tell the world and he was a senator and he was a senator <laughs> yeah <laughs> but now that we all have much more experience and generally have people that we know very closely intimately who are are gay it, it's nice to be able to watch this thing from 85 and see like Oh, that's how like fearsome the closet was at this point. Like, no doubt, right? Yeah, yeah. So fearsome, you had to make a horror movie about right, it. Right? Yeah. You know? I think I might like Elm Street two better. Maybe. I might put that as number one. Yeah, honestly. and I, I would I would say for me, Return of the Living Dead maybe is number one because I have just such a good uh, connection to it from childhood. Right. Yeah. But See, I didn't. I don't. I it doesn't. It doesn't have as much to say as. Nightmare 2, which is crazy for a nightmare movie. None of them really have anything to say except for two. <laughs> Maybe right. that's why it stands out so much. But at the time, again, only one movie had come out. <laughs> like, when how could people be like, oh, it's diverting? Like, it's it just started. How do you know? It just started. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you guys, be sure to let us know what your favorites from 1985 were. It was a banner year for horror flicks, and I look forward to hearing your all's opinions about it. So be sure to put those up on the facebook page that we have or instagram or just wherever you want to tell us about it and we're gonna give it a listen yeah steve we've departed from the preview palace and i have found Bye, preview palace i found my whistle to be just bone dry oh <sighs> see you can't get anything out of tumbleweed it. came whoosh, out whoosh a desert just fell out of my mouth oh no now i have oh, to no. clean this up shit oh my god dude we better do something to wet these whistles fast let's do it that's a good thing that old jeff sent us here a k2 bros brewing mango slash tangerine slash this is a slasher it's a slasher yeah passion fruit sour yeah now when you said all those things i immediately thought this may might taste like an ecto cooler and it, i hope you're fucking right and if it does i'm so excited it describes itself as this kettle sour was brewed with large amounts of mango, tangerine, and passion fruit purees and Chinook hops. This is a 6.5 Ibrevu and a 8 on the IBU scale. Sweet. So let's find out about this guy. Hopefully it will be a, a summertime sip that's sure to keep us cool. And God damn, it's freezing outside it right is, now it's in the Tennessee. Worst. Oh my God. Okay, this automatically is much like hazier oh yeah than i was expecting i was expecting a sour to be kind of hazy like mm. this so yeah there's a lot a lot of fruit packed in there yeah let's find out about this guy right here finish topping off these little glazes here always Demo. a fun thing to split a pint on old dead and lovely they is, this pints? looks they have pint it comes in pints this looks like just on appearance like a great juicy yeah, hazy ipa so citrusy Ooh, it does smell very citrusy. I'm looking forward to that. You can really smell the mango up front. What's that taste like? 
Well, it does not taste like Ecto Cooler. Whoa. But it doesn't not taste like Ecto Cooler. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what. The funkiness is mm-hmm. the first thing. Immediately that you it's get. funky, but then it's like fruity. Just a lot of different, like. It tastes like fermented mangoes. <gasps> like right up front, whenever yeah. you get a sip of it. Like, like mangoes to me always have this like peppery funkiness to uh-huh. them that I really like, mm-hmm. but it's kind of then immediately overpowered by the sweetness of a mango. That tastes like a funky fermented mango. That's a lot to recover from. There's so much flavor in there. There's a lot there. going on, yeah. man. Uh, and the tangerine is definitely there adding a uh-huh. little bit of that citric acidy kind of sourness yeah, to it. It, it it's does not overly have sour. an element of ecto cooler to it. Kind of does. Uh, I'm, I'm digging that, but it's... It's just so fruity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am pretty on board with that right there. The passion fruit adds some muskiness to it, wow. too. Yeah, the muskiness is nice. It actually has, like, almost a Moscato taste to it. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. see that, actually. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it's, again, not too super sour. No. Damn. That's yeah, good, Yeah, that's dude. also K- very drinkable. K2 fucks. Yeah. K2 fucks. That should be their slogan. K2, K2 fucks. fucks. <laughs> Thanks again, Jefferson. That in that yeah, is it's awesome. That is a delight. That's one of my favorites yeah, so far. I've been far. digging this one. What's your favorite Man. of the K2s we've had so far? I think uh, that winter warmer is winter my warmer, but I think it, we just had it at the perfect time because it's right? so cold it's and it's just like all the right flavors and like it, it. It really does. It it tastes warm, even though it was cold. Well, and the funny thing is, so whenever we had that beer on the last episode, you remember you. Your first comment that you made was like, Drink, I would like to have it warm. warm, yeah. I had totally forgotten, and, and Jeff sent me a message. He's like, hey, I just listened to the episode. He's like, don't you remember me telling you that it's great at room temperature? Oh, okay. So yeah. that is how you're supposed to drink it. Well, it's not supposed to, but it's great that way. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think. That's the impression that I get. Yeah, I could. I, I, I could. Because like all the cold does is maybe dull you to a little bit of flavor. Yeah. So you're not missing too much. And it wasn't. I think we had it second, so it had been sitting on the table for an hour. Yeah. It had, had kind of acclimated a little yeah. bit. But yeah, I could totally see it being yeah. great at room temperature, yeah, slightly warm. Really good. Well, this is fantastic, man. All right. So let's get into let's the into the meat of the podcast yeah. here. Let's talk about the Day of the Dead from 1985 from our man George a. Romero. Yeah, uh, Georgia Romero. He's called <laughs> Georgia Romero. <laughs> Just, I mean, if anybody's listening for the first time and and uh, you haven't heard our Night of the Living Dead episode or our Dawn of the Dead episode, get pull. We have talked so much about who George Romero is and what he did. That we're not gonna spend we're not gonna too much. Retread yeah. that too much here. Uh, I'll 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 talk a little bit about what was going on at this period. He had just done Night Riders in '81. That's which, a ridiculous movie. A ridiculous movie that? that that cost a lot of money and, and didn't make it back. If which, you guys want to see a movie where there's a bunch of guys, including uh, Ed Harris is the main character. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so a bunch of the dudes from this are in there too. Yeah, and they ride around on motorcycles and joust. Uh-huh. You need to watch Night Riders. Yeah. Silly fucking movie. Yeah, so he made that, and then they made uh, Creepshow, which did well. I mean, it, it didn't do overwhelmingly well, but it did well and was beloved by horror audiences, oh, yeah. which is exactly what you I want. I want my chocolate cake. Exactly. So good, man. So he had signed a three-picture deal, and Knight, Rider, Knight Riders and uh, uh, Creepshow had fulfilled the first two, but part of the deal was he had to make a sequel to Dawn of the Dead. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So this is like a contractual Yeah, sort but of thing. I mean, yeah, he he entered into the contract knowing that and was he he wanted to do it. He had an idea for it. But 
According to Tom Savini, regarding the original script, he said it was like Raiders of the Lost Ark with zombies. And it was huge, sprawling, epic zombie movie that would that was it would have cost seven million dollars to make. Okay. Which is not huge, but I mean eighty five, it's that's big. I mean that's probably closer to twenty five million now. Given George Romero that much money at that time. Exactly. Because his movies made money, but they didn't make money instantly. Like most of his movies ended up making money in international um uh distribution. Or in home sales, which is what happened with this one, particularly. It did fine in the theaters, but home sales really took off. Uh, so the movie, this, this is almost like what Sam Raimi had envisioned for Evil Dead 2, where it was just so big, but like they were never going to get that budget. Mm-hmm. Like He had this just, basically a lot of what he wanted to do with Day of the Dead ended up going into Land of the Dead later in like 2000. Five, I think is one. I don't know if I've ever seen Land of the Dead. It's good. Yeah. It, it is good. It's got Dennis Hopper being fucking over the top. I was gonna say, hopefully, yeah. way over the fucking yeah. top. Okay. John Leguizamo, and uh, it, it's real interesting. It really plays off of a lot of the stuff that this movie deals with, where like you see Bub getting kind of domesticated, and like so a lot of that it gets branched off of some more. But it also has the classic zombies eating people. Of course, <laughs> yeah. But so he he took the script to um, I forget the name of the producer. But he took the script to the producer he'd been working with. And the producer was like, "Oh, absolutely, this looks great. I'll give you seven million dollars to do this." And Romero was like, "That's awesome. That's exactly how much money we need to do it. Uh, except I want it to be unrated." And the oh. guy was like, "Unrated? I'll give you three million dollars." <laughs> so Damn. so up, he didn't want to compromise his vision. He didn't want to compromise his vision, and the producer was uh, smart enough to say, "Like, well, that's fine. It'll just you'll just have to do it for less money because right? it'll make less money. It'll make less money, yeah. but you'll, it'll still fulfill the con." Like they didn't have like a big argument about it. The producer wanted him to make a sequel. He's going to make the sequel. The producer likes kind of where it's going, but he's not willing to put that much money into it. So uh, they end up settling on about three and a half million dollars, and that meant they had to change a lot. So basically, they condensed it into a small area and lowered the number of people and made a different movie entirely. Made a different movie entirely. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, like uh, Romero at this time, you know, he's he's the legend already. Like, because Night of the Living Dead was sixty eight. Like, he's a legend in eighty five. Yeah. He's already a legend. Anything he's wanting to do, people are kind of behind it, even if his movies tended to not make a ton of money. Uh, so he, this is kind of him at the height of his power and getting to do exactly what he wanted, which is make a movie that was about, just like Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead, about the uh, feel of the country at the time, which he felt was people had stopped trusting each other mm. because of things like the satanic panic and, and all these, uh, uh, the, the, the seeming rise in number of serial killers, which wasn't actually a rise. It was just that the behavioral analysis unit had identified serial killers in the set. Like they had identified it as a thing right. in the late seventies. So the serial killers that existed before that were never labeled such. So there wasn't like an actual rise, but, the news reported in such a way, and we even talked about this with uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, about how gruesome the news got in the 70s and the 80s. Like, 
the news was reporting all these deaths and all these murderers and stuff just constantly. Yeah, it was like shock news. Yeah, and so people began to become more isolated from one another. And he, he was he was wanting to deal with like this isolation and what it does to us and how it divides us and drives a huge wedge between us. And that is so relevant 35 years later. Yeah, no kidding, right? The more it's things change, crazy. the more they stay the same. It's amazing that he he's i mean we've said it with each one of the movies we've done he was able to look too ahead he like yeah, he had saw a the black the protagonist in 1968 right he, he had a black protagonist in 76 uh, or 78 whenever they made that yeah he uh, he was pushing a strong female character and then this has a strong female character extremely extremely strong one that in fact like isn't a final girl in any sense Except that she's she's alive at the end. Right. Like, she doesn't have any of the other, like, qualifications to be a final girl. No. She is so different. So, like, he, he was always just pushing ahead. And I have... I, I think there are some things in here we'll get into that are maybe even more progressive than people realize. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah, I have some kind of interpretations about this that I definitely yeah. want to talk about. It's funny, you mentioned the already legendary status of, of Romero at this point. Because, yeah. you know, it, it's really easy these days for somebody to put out something cool and develop a fan base and stuff because we're in the internet age and stuff. Right. But, like, when we're talking about how rabid Romero fans were at this time, I mean, most all of the zombie extras in this are just Romero fans that got paid yeah. a literal dollar. Same as Dawn of the Dead and Nine of the Living Dead. Like, he's yeah. worked that same way for years, and people love it. There's like a couple of different bands that are in this mm-hmm. movie as zombies. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing that he already had this crazy cult status, which to me, again, pre-internet is really crazy for me yeah. to think about. Like, in 1985, if you're one of these bands that loves Romero movies, it's like, how do you even get in touch with him? Or how does he get in touch with you to be like, hey, do you yeah. want to be in the movie? Or hey, can we be in the movie? How does that even come about? I know. It's, it's crazy. crazy to me. Yeah, it is. Now, I assume this was not the first time that you saw no, this No, I've seen this movie a million times. This was one that was, uh, I remember watching on VHS as a little kid, and I, that the opening scene with the hands coming through the wall. Iconic. Awesome. Just was amazing to Fucking me. awesome intro. Wasn't scary. I remember even as a kid, I wasn't like scared particularly by it, but I was just like amazed by it. I was like, wow, yeah. what is going on here? And like, this movie... Like, the moments where it's outside, it's so bright in a way that... Yeah, and it's in Florida. So, like, cheerful yeah, and sunny and warm that, and yes, palm trees. it just really helps play off of the darkness of the story. I think so, too. Yeah, yeah. it's just kind of showing you that, like, even in sunny, palm tree-laden right. areas, like, oh, they're decimated and infested yeah. with zombies. Like, everything's fucked at this point. Yeah. This movie is just so generally hopeless. Yes, it is. And I... I don't know. I've, as I've said before, the fifth Harry Potter book is my favorite. Uh, I, 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 t- I think I tend to really dig things that try to portray hopelessness and do it well. Mm. And I think, I think this does it so particularly well. Like nobody in this is not like every, every even the largest soldier with the biggest gun is hopeless. In yeah, this. totally. They're all reacting to realizing it's over. Right. They're all reacting to the end of humanity. Oh, so, yeah. Like, yeah. That's it, why it's so, like, over the top and shit. Because that's right. how you would be. Because that's the thing. is like, this movie isn't dealing with, oh, my God, 
there's been an outbreak. No, nope. this could spread. It's dealing with this has happened. We've seen all of the people we know and love die. Yeah, I mean We've the been, odds are what did they say like four hundred thousand to one. Yeah. They're outnumbered by zombies. Yeah, I mean it's they've lost. They uh, you're the minority. I mean, they're they're talking with hope that there are still people alive in D.C. Like they're just like they 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 have to be dealing with nightly the thought we might be it. Yeah, and that really. Yeah, well, and that's what's interesting too. I think uh, there's a lot of things in this movie that deal with, I think, our socially conditioned roles that we're supposed to fulfill. Because uh-huh. you have this entire squad of army guys yes. that are probably answering to nobody, but for some reason are. But but then they're still staying in their they fatigues. They need that. They yeah. need it because otherwise the world crumbles. Because well, that's the thing is like without a government, does the fact that uh oh fuck who's the guy that's in charge? Uh, oh, I just uh, blanked uh, on his name. Uh, 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 Captain Rhodes. Rhodes. Yeah. yeah. Like. Without a government above him that appointed him as captain, is he in he the has lead no at all? No, he but, has zero but, authority. But they need that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, even in these desperate times where, again, he's probably answering to nobody because everybody else is yeah. fucking dead. They still got to wear their fatigues and answer mm. to their head honcho and yeah. stuff like that. Which I do think is how society would work in this situation. I think it would have been interesting if at a certain point in his madness he made them call him General Rhodes or something. That would have been like maybe a cool way to do it. Yeah, but like that that is a thing. Like just they're still using their like they're still (laughs) these guys are privates. Like he's a captain. Like not one of them has he raised up a rank or anything. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. nobody to help him. He's taken on all the responsibility himself and, and becoming this like dictator basically and it's i mean it's it it definitely seems to me like that is how people would be acting especially soldiers a lot of guys who yeah are are already a little over dramatic about things maybe and and very macho and looking to prove how manly they are even in this moment where there's only one woman left in the world and she's not interested like, they they can't leave behind the world they knew because if they do, it all crashes down. And well, hey. they're, they're already insane. Like, the guys, what? like, when they're laughing, that one guy oh, specifically... Oh, he's like a fucking jackal, dude. Yeah, they're yeah. laughing, and he's ripples. laughing when he dies. Like, yeah, yeah, ripples. Because yeah, they have gone insane. But that's the thing that we're that, that is cool whenever we're looking at this and we're talking about how these people are still sticking to their societal roles, even though there is no society. yeah. Because it's also the same things the zombies are doing. The zombies are still remembering their past lives. Right. And just going about the things that they were doing before they died. Yeah. These guys are going about doing the same shit they were doing before the world ended. Yeah, so they're basically they're zombies. They're basically zombies yeah, at that point, Yeah, nothing has too. changed. Yeah, nothing has changed. So I think that's kind of a cool dichotomy that this movie mm-hmm. sort of plays with, is people just going with the flow of what they've always yeah. done, despite... The fact that they're not alive anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the fact that the world has basically yeah. ended around them and there's no reason well, that, to I mean, that's, cling to these roles. That, I mean, it, again, it's so prescient and so... like, But also, it can't be prescient if it's just constantly true of, of humanity that we, we let horrific things happen all around us and then just go to the store like normal because what are we gonna do? Right. Like it's, yeah. it what seems else can like, I do? Yeah. It seems like the the force is too large. There's nothing you can do to stop it. To just go about yeah. what you're already doing. Right. And so, for the military guys, that seems to be like their nihilistic out to outlook, where it's just like, well, at least we get to fucking just slaughter them sometimes. Like, right. 
And then for the scientists, it's like they're trying to trying to take control by believing they can do something about it. But then we see, and I mean, just amazingly played by Richard Liberty, uh, uh, Dr. Frankenstein. We see like him just talking so calmly and rationally. And then if you're not paying attention, you don't realize the stuff he's saying is insane. Yeah. <laughs> he's insane. He's an insane person. You start to realize like, oh, like they've put all their hopes into this. And like, he's had all the pressure of like being the one to just fix the world that like he, he just has lost the plot entirely like he he's just trying to do anything that seems constructive so he's taking zombies apart like piece by piece and doing just crazy shit that doesn't end up helping at all but it keeps him from he's trying to find order yeah it keeps him from falling apart yeah Yeah. again he's just going about using the skill set that he developed in his normal life yeah just to try to make sense of what? what the fuck's going on. Same can be said for the helicopter pilot and the radio operator. Those two they're guys, jobs. they're just doing their jobs. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's they're, no they're reason detached. why they wouldn't get in that helicopter and leave. And they talk just about leave. Yeah. They talk about it all the time. But it's like, why, why take this long? Why not just go? Just leave. You don't have to be here. Right. But it's also one of those things where I, I feel like they're like, yeah, but go to what? Like, right, sure. And like, if they've we're going to develop this, what this, would ever happen? Yeah. Yeah. And they've developed this rhythm in life of like, well, we fly the helicopter mm-hmm. for people who hire us, and there that's just go. what's going on right now. So we go and try going. to look for survivors. We never find them. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's yeah. our life. Right on. Yeah. yeah, the first time I watched this was probably about, I don't know, two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember really liking it. I remember just like after the movie, just feeling very like, man, that was a pretty bleak yeah pretty grim movie yeah, i mean the is. ending is is kind of happy i guess yeah it is i think so i mean i think it's uh it, it has it has the potential to be happy like you know through all the dysfunction it's the happiest things are gonna be so that i would say is the happiest ending you're gonna get out of any of the of the dead movies it's mm-hmm. not a living dead absolutely depressing ending dawn of the dead they're just flying off to their death they have no idea where they're going sure but they we get to see them actually touch down on the beach and they've sort of established themselves and we there may be a future so it's the most hopeful though the most bleak throughout right yeah well apparently it wasn't just you that the intro of this movie made an impression on because it made it all the way into fucking the new season of stranger things yeah that was awesome <laughs> so cool yeah opening up stranger things with that like it was just I imagine seeing that in the theater with a bunch of people, that moment is just out of nowhere. Awesome and, and how would you awesome, expect awesome, awesome. zombie arms to come out of the wall? Yeah. And it looks so good. Cause and they, they pop out of this, this center block wall like it's paper. Yeah. Like it's very like dream logic. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, where it's like they don't explode out of the center block and there's dust and fragments yeah. of concrete and stuff like that. It busts through like it's paper, and there's but like dozens of them. It's so even cool. watching it in high def now, you cannot tell where the spots are. Mm-mm. You can't see where they're going to be coming out. So uh, that is, of course, because Tom Savini was the in charge of effects. Yeah, I mean, not that he was the only one there. I know that uh, what's his name, uh, Greg Nicotero, was working in the there. house. Tons of big name special yeah. effects guys there, who were just a, early in their career. A th- third one who i'm forgetting was howard Berger involved maybe i can't remember or, yeah anyway 
anyway, titans so, of yeah, practical effects. The, I know the guy who ended up making the practical T-Rex for Jurassic Park also worked on no this. No shit. Yeah. Dude, I saw some interview stuff with Savini where he was talking about this in, in just typical Savini style where, dude, he just gets so into whatever it is. Yeah, he's he loves on. it. Like, yeah. he loves the challenging, uh, mm. problem-solving aspects yeah. of, like, how do we actually make this happen? Yeah. And uh, he was talking about how in the... In the last movie, you know, it was all just like whatever. Get people in here, put oh, gray yeah, pancake got, makeup they on. Had it so matter. many people, and and they were. It was just day in day out. Yeah, tons and tons of makeup artists putting on makeup, and it was them. just that Smurf makeup, that blue yep. gray kind of look. Uh-huh. And just whatever, put it on. Now you're a zombie. Get on the screen. Right. But in this, he was talking about how leading up to the production of the movie, him and his team spent like six months. At his house, mm-hmm. making appliances. Yeah, to put on people's faces. And then I I watched a documentary oh. that they made called The World's End okay. about this. And he he said that they had done that, but this was back in the day before they realized that, like, yeah, you're making all these appliances, but then at the end of the day, you got, like, 15 people ripping off the top layer of their skin to take them off. Like, this was before they realized they needed to come in and, like, help them with, like, solvents and stuff to easily peel it off. Yeah? So they're just ripping oh, off shit. the latex at the end is basically giving themselves a skin peel. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah. Damn. But, uh, yeah, so the, the use of, of those... Instead of having to do the makeup day in and day out, just applying these things these sort in of the pre-made morning. Things. Yeah, it still takes time, sure. but it's so much easier. Yeah, they did the work in advance. And the you're going to also have a better shot consistency because if you got a zombie come in one day to shoot and then you got to do the makeup again the next day, you got to just hope that you get the exact same tone and, and stuff. Right. Whereas in this, you know, you've, you've seen the appliances. They all look right. Well, the cool thing about this, too, is that because there are so many zombies and because there's such a an emphasis on they continue doing what they were doing when they were alive. Yeah. Uh, this isn't like Night of the Living Dead, like people rising from the grave wearing their suits and fancy dresses yeah, that, that they was, were buried in. That was in. like the beginning yeah. uh, of all this. But now a this, lot of people have been killed by them and yeah. more and more like it's, it's grown into something completely different. <laughs> so you're seeing all these zombies that... Apparently, I guess we're just normal people that got fucking turned while they were on the job. Yeah. Because you got, like, football player zombies uh-huh. and, like, uh, marching band yep. leader <laughs> zombies. Yeah. I love the idea that there's, that like, this the massive dead. zombie yeah. plague going on. And they're like, well, but we have the march schedule for today, so i going to get my baton and get out front. Oh, a zombie. Fuck. You, you got to watch <laughs> Land of the Dead. In Land of the Dead, the zombies, because they've been separated from the humans so much, just resume something resembling normal life so they go back to like where they worked oh and wow. like they're one of the zombies yeah he just stays at the the, the gas, gas station register or whatever he's just at the gas station pumping gas and but like nobody there to pump gas to like they they just revert back to emotions yeah wow so yeah that there was an idea that romero was tinkering with where like the people who rose from the grave of course they were dead. Their brains were rotting. They probably, the, all they'd be is, uh, Yeah. But if you died, it does this virus, uh, if you die and resurrect almost immediately, your brain basically is kept fresh. Like, would some of that still be kicking around in there? Right. I mean, it's a, it's a genius idea to explore, and that's what this movie really does with Bub and and all the the other zombies. We got a couple of zombies in here that are just noteworthy. I mean, characters on their own. I mean... 
the fact that like there at the very intro of the movie, you know, right when the title credits uh, Day of the Dead pop up, uh-huh. we get the zombie that's known as Dr. Tongue. <laughs> yeah. Whose entire jaw is like uh-huh. rotted off and his yeah. tongue is hanging it's out of great. his face. Yeah. I mean, this is a, that's the only time he's in the movie. Yeah. And according to the fans, he has a name. Dr. Tongue. Yeah. They all have awesome. names, actually. Yeah. In fact, the, uh, the one where the doctor has cut away everything except for the midbrain yeah, and the like brain stem and shit. Yeah. That's called Moose Clit. Moose clit. Yeah, that's what Savini <laughs> called it. Moose clit. But a uh, wily bastard. Yeah, Doctor Tongue is actually just a puppet, and the the really? head is uh is Tom Savini's head, same as used for the, the maniac Jason. Sh- headshot and stuff. Same as maniac headshot as as the Jason that no he deformed. Pup- yeah, that's same the one. same head. Yeah, they just ripped the jaw. Oh, that's fucking uh-huh. cool, man, dude! It looks so bitching. I never yeah. would have guessed that was a puppet. It's awesome. I was watching being mm. like, did they build the jaw out from the sky? Like, how did yeah. they do this? I said, thing, like, watching the documentary, it's, it really does, like, it's almost like the sawhorse shot on uh, Army uh, of yeah. Darkness. Yeah, yeah. Like, where you're watching it, and when you do see the puppeteer, you're like, oh, obviously that's a puppet. Oh, and that's just an apartment building behind them. That's <laughs> a guy and being rocked on a sawhorse next to the interstate. Yeah, like it's just like this realization. Like the the beauty of movies is like you you can show something quick and then it's quick like cuts to other things and stuff, and nobody thinks about what's going on in the background. But like just thinking it's about all the way like it's framed, it's all in what you cut out. that yeah, builds the illusion. Just thinking about like the, I know they didn't go to those people in that apartment building and say we're gonna be shooting out here. Please don't exit your building. So like the shot could have just been ruined by somebody going to work. Or yeah, like, <laughs> letting their dog out or whatever. Gee, it's just that's it's it's one of the best things about filmmaking is the magic of it slash the practicality of it like it's it it's so simple and practical that the fact that it's magic is magic itself like when you're watching it and you're like wow that all comes together like it how like even the people making it it's like when i mean you do it you edit videos uh whenever i edit a video together like at the end i'm usually like yeah that's fine like and that's probably how most people feel at the end of a putting together a movie. Because you know like, what the raw footage looks like. Yeah, you like. know what the raw footage looks like, and you know that like you can't really judge it. To be, the best you can do is go, it's there are no problems with it. Yeah, yeah. But so, to somebody that wasn't there from right. the inception and knows all the stuff you cut out and all the right. stuff you got out of the frame, they might they just think see it's magic. Yeah. yeah, they're just like, wow, how did you do that? It's like, well, we were outside an apartment building, and a guy was holding up a puppet. There you That's go. That's how we did it. And it looks fucking amazing. Yeah, totally, yes. man. And Bub looks amazing in Bub's this, Bub's great. The, the detail that, in his in his facial uh-huh. makeup and stuff, all the wrinkles in his skin yes. and that tightly pulled over mouth and stuff. Well, and that's him, Incredible. too. That's the actor, too, um, uh, Sherman Howard, like, doing that. Like, he, he does, he's so good yeah? at acting only with his face and eyes. So that's not just a prosthetic thing. Yeah, not saying. him just sort of doing this. Wow. When he's, like that lady from Hocus Pocus. Yes, but. Like <laughs> that's he's doing it on purpose. I think Kathleen and Jimmy just has that, doesn't she? No, them, she's just, side no, talkers. she's doing that because I've seen pictures of her too. She doesn't have the crossbite, like a Drew Barrymore. Yeah, like a Drew Barrymore. Mm, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Bub is awesome. Bub is is like this. I I had an entire lesson on Bub when I taught that class on the undead. Like, yeah, because Bub is he he is. 
the he's like the monster monster where like he's he's this bridge that shouldn't exist where the monsters there shouldn't be a bridge between living and dead but if if there is it shouldn't be that human mm. because if it is then how far away are we from them so, so then there's this Brings extra the dread yeah, yeah yeah there's this extra dread where it's like okay yeah we might get eaten by zombies that's scary also are we already them <laughs> like What's different? Uh, it all goes back between to what we do and what they do. What the Joker said, right? He's like, mm-hmm. "You're only one bad day away from being me." Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, like Bub Bub adds an extra layer of horror while adding some hope to this doctor. The rest of us who can see, like, okay, you're gonna train every one of them. Like, how are you gonna train all of the zombies? Yeah. Like, what is your plan? What's your plan? Right. So you spent all your time figuring out you can train one. Well, you know, that that's funny that you mention it that way and how you talk about how the, the divide between the living and the zombies is so thin. And yeah. it's only, like you said, like one day away and yeah. you become that, that yeah. exact creature that you fear and hate and stuff. Uh, that really ties into what I think this movie is really about, honestly. Mm-hmm. Because obviously, you know, with the other Romero flicks that we talked about, they're they're all about something. I mean, he's always yes. using zombies to portray. Yeah. Oh, we're not stretching in the least no. bit when we say because, no, no. like, you very you, you look at Romero, he will say like, "This is what I was going for." Like, he specifically with Dawn of the Dead was criticizing capitalism and uh, yeah. and like commercialism and things like that. Yeah, I think that this movie, the closest I can tell, I believe to be a commentary on the prison system. And huh. crime and punishment and rehabilitation. I can see that. For I sure. I think that that's exactly what this okay. movie is about. Because, I mean, the entire movie is just basically them in this big underground prison. Uh-huh. You don't see the light. Yeah. It's all fluorescent lights. It's all gray bunkers and concrete. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I did a shoot in a prison a few years ago for my meth commercial. <laughs> yeah. I'm here to tell you, that's what it looks you like. You all messed up. That was me, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, this movie, I think, deals so well with... You know, what do we do to deal with these people? What do we do to deal with the people in the prison system? Because according to the uh, the man, as it were, the military, the system, their whole attitude is like, fuck them. Yeah, kill them all. Wipe them out. Yeah. You have uh, Dr. Frankenstein. Uh-huh, who, I can redeem him. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's trying to say, well, how can, we, how can we live with these people? Right. How can we reprogram them? Yeah. And then you have Sarah, our lead, who's like, you're looking at the wrong thing. What caused it in the first place? Right. How can we solve the problem? Nip it in the bud before it yeah. becomes a problem. These are all attitudes that we take towards yeah. crime, whether For that sure. whether that be pet, petty crime or uh, serial killers or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are all attitudes towards this because and, there's a lot of people. One that, of the three is an attitude that just needs to die, like seriously, to kill them all. <laughs> like, right? I, I don't, I don't get the vigilant like. Like the people who are like, you know, my should kill them marijuana sellers too. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, kill all of kill them. Kill all of them. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. But does that make sense to you? Yes. Does it kind of yeah, come across that I, way? I never thought about it, but yeah, yes, it's there for sure. For some reason, that's like all that I, I mean, thought about when I saw the, this. The the undead are free. They're the ones who are in prison. Yeah. I mean, what's the worst that happens to the undead? They stop being undead. Probably not too big of a change. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, but again, crazy, I, think yeah. that, I think that there is this sort of fear there that we're not that far off from these things yeah. that we are 
imprisoning and being mm-hmm. fearful of and, and stuff and yeah. trying to figure out how to deal with it's like well there's still us there's still football players and yeah. cashiers and ballerinas and regular old day everyday things yeah. they're not that different than us huh you know i did not consider that but hmm. that is yes i would agree that's that's definitely a message in here or at least could be drawn out of it for sure mm-hmm. I think I, there's, there's also probably some side commentaries about um ah shit what's the name of that syndrome we're like the, the thing that happens between, yeah stockholm syndrome yeah we're, we're like i said you got these military guys who mm-hmm. are all cooped up and still remaining military and retaining their order yeah. you have miguel and sarah who like obviously miguel is a mental piece of shit yeah but sarah as i guess you'd say the guardian of this prisoner ends up kind of tied to her prisoner in a lot of ways like yeah well i mean they're they're in they have a relationship a sexual relationship but also i mean he's he he does seem to be the representation of masculinity falling apart. I think like, that too. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. like I noticed uh especially I was rewatching it earlier today and like the scenes wherever they're like going to like get some zombies out of the corral. Yeah. And Miguel is obviously like falling apart at the yes. seams and yeah. Sarah's like I'll use the Wrangler thing and get him and they're like no. Miguel, you do it. Right, you can't be he's trusted because he's a man. Right, but, but he, he's falling the he's fuck falling apart. apart. Yeah, but but uh, those men are incapable of recognizing that. They're incapable of seeing a man in pain or or needing Unstable. help. Unstable. Yeah. yeah, they're incapable of seeing that, but they're very capable of seeing, you don't have a penis. Well, yeah, well, and that's the you thing. You don't like, involved in this. Even if they Urgh. do realize that Miguel is falling apart, they still trust him over yep. a woman. yep. You know? Yeah, and that's... Uh, it's, I mean, yeah, it, it is. There's a whole lot about masculinity involved in this. And, like, specifically... Because, like, she she represents strong female, like, autonomy. and Level-headedness. Level-headed. Yeah. She is the only one other than maybe the other... The radio guy and the, the pilot who, who just keep a level head throughout. Yeah. Remain calm believe in a potentiality of structure and things like this. Yeah, where, and being objective and unemotional. Yeah. Like, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the thing is the army guys are being so super emotional. The Trump. men are hyper emotional. It's almost movie. like, it's almost like, it's almost like men can be extremely emotional, but they think for some reason that it's strength. And then when yeah. women do it, they <laughs> think it's weakness. Right. Yeah. Now, anyway, that's an odd way to live your life. So <laughs> the the thing is that the the guys fall are, are falling apart. They they it's not even they fall apart throughout. They are falling apart when the movie begins. Sure, it's already There's there. the hyena laugh. Steel is over the top. They're all over the top. They're all like talking about each other's dicks all the time yeah, and jerking and they're, off. They're and, trying to seize power, just trying to seize it, and like but being frustrated by the fact that there's no one to seize it from. Yeah, yeah. The world's just out of control at this point. Yeah. yeah. So. They like they're trained to be a specific way that just doesn't work anymore. And Miguel is seems to be the only one dealing with that. He seems to be the one recognizing like, oh, it's all falling apart, and my girlfriend is stronger than me. Yeah, and stronger it's one of the first than things he all says. of us. Yeah, yeah. So like, it, it, he that is his fragile masculinity, and he just can't do it. And like eventually, like the the scene where he slaps her is not um. Like, if you were to look back at, say, scenes from the 30s and 40s 
of say when a a uh, man kisses a woman out of nowhere and then he she slaps him mm-hmm. that's what it looks like when he slaps her oh. it is not shown as like a I'm in charge here slap it's Domestic like a, abuse I'm out thing. of control slap okay and she's yeah. the one who stays in control takes the slap and just stares at him just like okay what can I do to help like and then gives him a set of give yeah so like it's this crumbled <laughs> entirely crumbled masculinity that realizes like oh we're nothing I our guns don't mean anything. Uh, like Money our, means nothing. The fact that we're yelling louder than everybody else doesn't make us in control. And yeah, it eventually just drives him to suicide. <laughs> like yeah. basically. Yeah. Well, he kind of reaches that point towards the end of the movie yeah. uh, where he's just like, well, my life is fucked. So fuck everybody else, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Let's the zombies into the Which is also fragile masculinity yeah, yeah. is when someone picks up a gun and decides to shoot a whole bunch of random people because... Some girl turned him down or Some whatever. Some girl turned yeah. down. Everything fell apart. I was told by the movies, I say these things to girls. We have a bunch of dates. Something stupid happens. We're like, oh, I don't know. And then we get back together and we're married. Rom-coms super duper affected dudes. And <laughs> everybody pretended like they, all these dudes were pretending they didn't watch rom-coms. But yeah, then right. they had this, so many rom-com expectations where it's like, I'm nice. So you should be my girlfriend because <laughs> I pick you're you're the prota- you're the female protagonist now yeah and, and a woman's just like I'm just at a party how am I now a female protagonist in a rom- why, why am I part of your craziness like why can't I just <laughs> fuck that guy over there and you shut the fuck up like how many incels does Sweet Home Alabama create? Exactly. Steve? Like, yeah, like oh, <laughs> she's all that. All I gotta do is just put a, a metal bar in the ground, make some uh, sand sculptures, and then Renee or uh, Reese Witherspoon's gonna want to fuck me. What's really funny is like if you if you added up the total like, and th- this sounds so crazy, marginalizing and stuff, but like if you added up the total kill count of like. <laughs> How many people died because of the video game Doom and Mortal Kombat right. and The Matrix? Versus how many people died because of uh, She's all that. dogs. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sure the kill count on the rom-coms yeah. is off the charts. Yeah, because it sets up these weird <laughs> expectations that are oftentimes in emotionally fragile or, or uh, yeah. maybe mentally unstable people sets up these expectations that are absolutely not going to happen. Yeah, Rom-coms yeah. do not happen. Uh, like from either side. That's just a crazy idea to have and then to expect it and then for it to not happen over and over and over and over and then these guys in their early to mid 20s i I mean there's that guy from ucsb who was a piece of shit elliot whatever why remember his name yeah fuck him yeah fuck him um but like yeah you get these guys who they just had these expectations and it all crumbles and that's what miguel is and that i mean it's what all these guys are is that they're the their power is crumbling. Like, it, they can't control the female character to the point that he's actually just going to kill her. Just get rid of her. Yeah. Because, I mean... Like Rhodes when he's like, I'll just shoot you. Yeah. They just want to get rid of her and not have to deal with her because she is the source of everything crumbling to them. They, they've, they've forgotten the fact that the world has crumbled. It's her fault. Because... Seems that way, yeah. She's a woman. And she's trying to maybe help and find another solution. Other right. than just, I don't know, maybe just blow them all away. Yeah, which... And that's something that even the doctor brings up. He's like, yeah, there's not enough yeah. fucking bullets in the world to kill all these things. But that's the only solution that the army guys are coming to. 
and they can't see anything beyond that. So these thoughts of, uh, yeah, Dr. Frankenstein and Sarah both being like, maybe we can rehabilitate them, maybe we can find out the source of this, is just beyond them. They just want to blow them all away. Yeah. I, Which, again, is the, the crime and punishment outlook. It is. And then, of course, I mean, we have to... Di- okay, so... Get in there, Steve. Get I got it. a theory, and I don't think it is that outlandish. All right, tell me about it. So, the two guys who are outside of this tumble of masculinity. Is that like John, the Jamaican guy, and is it Bill? And Bill. Uh-huh, Bill McDermott. So, John and Bill, they live on the fringe. They do. Like, that's not even, I'm not being metaphorical. They do. They live on the fringe. Yeah. They, they uh, live in their own little dwelling. They live in their own little dwelling together. Yeah. They have cocktail parties. It's nicely decorated and clean. It's very nicely decorated and clean. They're also nice dressers. They don't seem to be interested, or uh, not interested, uh, rapey. No, no, not really. They don't seem to be in the least bit. They're a little they Ernie, do mention maybe having babies. Yeah. This is a gay couple and their surrogate. This is a happy ending where a gay couple and their surrogate get to remake the world minus toxic masculinity. I, I can't say that I don't see that. Now, it's possible... It's possible Romero intended it. Probably not. This is probably just supposed to be a uh, homosocial. Like they're super close because they're not like those guys and they can't fit in with them, but they're just average everyday heterosexual males because most heterosexual men don't act like that. That's ridiculous and over the top and all this bravado and guns and all that stuff. Like most, most men aren't like that, but I think it's, it's real easy to read into this that, like that they they're out on the fringe separated from the rest of them they're treated poorly which means that the soldiers for some reason dislike them but know that they're a necessity like there there's some antagonism between them and and like for me i was starting to recognize like i think the soldiers don't like them because they're gay like they are a couple they are close intimate always they're on screen a lot together in in single shots together like you you don't see that a lot like even with bub and the doctor most of the shots are uh single shot single shot like back and forth to bub and the doctor yeah they're on screen together they're on screen together most of the time sitting close to each other intimate with one another you know what it's thought about their names bill john BJ. BJ. The writing's on the wall. It's That's right it. there. <laughs> completely intentional. But I you know, think, it, it's I think funny. Like, there. I didn't think about that, but it mm-hmm. completely makes sense. Yeah. Like, my thought while I was watching the movie is that Steele and Rickles were probably gay. That Okay. They yes. seemed like the they way... Did, they like, did have that, like... And they were going over the top to cover way for over it. the top. But yeah. still also talking about each other's dicks a lot. Yes. Yeah, like, that is... Lot. Well, that's classic. Whip it out, steal. That's classic homosocial behavior where you, you introduce the element of sexuality that uh, sometimes opens up mutual masturbation and orgies and things like it's that. It's not gay, though. Well, yeah, it's not... Yeah, that's... That, I mean, that that is the craziest outlook from that toxic form of masculinity where it's just like well like if you're the dude who puts it in 
not gay. Not gay. <laughs> like, I mean, that was that was ancient Greece. Like, if you were the one who took it, you're. I mean, so actually, that was even England in the the 16th century. Yeah. Like, buggery was getting fucked in the ass. It buggery. wasn't necessarily fucking someone in the ass. Oh man, I, I love how those redcoats yeah. have a way with words. Mm-hmm. So, buggery. Hey, it's hey. buggery, isn't it? Isn't there some buggery away? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I said, whenever I was watching it, I was like, okay, Steel and Rickles are definitely like yeah, they got, doing the do. They got that vibe. They do. They have that well, like and, over and the top, I'm I'm covering for something. Even when Miguel like kind of fucks up and almost gets Rickles killed, like Steel is immediately, like you almost yes. got him killed. Like, yes, he's immediately defensive of Rickles. It would be like how either of us would be like if one of our wives was put in danger. Yes, exactly. You know? it's, it's like, like not like so, you almost killed my friend yeah. at all. And, and it's, it's possible that these are maybe say like prison relationships in some way where it's like, well, these are the only options. Yeah. And I mean, that's fine. They don't necessarily have to be a homosexual couple, but I, I, you believe they're intimate. They do seem to be very close to one another. I think that was such in a, a way that the others are not. Diversion to me because they were so over the top and macho and manly that I didn't even notice John and Bill. Yeah. It completely makes sense now, though. Yeah, and they're, they're also probably the two best actors in the movie. Not to say that so. the guys who are going over the top aren't good actors because they're... Okay, so basically what happened with that is that... Uh, uh, Joseph, Joseph Pilato, who just died last year, oh. less than a year ago. It's, it's really sad because he, he was a good actor. I uh, did a lot of Broadway stuff, but also in stuff. He, he was in Dawn of the Dead as like a cop in some of the opening scenes. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so that's just kind of how he read the part. Like that's how he came across. And it's almost like everybody tried to match his intensity and it works. Now, which guy are you talking about? Uh, Rhodes. Rhodes, okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So, like, it's almost like everybody's, like, trying to match his intensity, though, according to according to George Romero, whenever um, the guy who played Steel came in, he, he is Steel. Like, that's just really? who he is. And, like, they were interviewing that. I mean, he's not, like, an asshole. But that's, <laughs> he's racist. just this, like, yeah, he's just this over-the-top, like, loud character. Okay. And so, like... They were interviewing Steele now. Who he's been in the tons. He was in like Law and Order, maybe like ten years ago. But oh wow! Eh, that was like he's probably sixty or seventy by now. Uh, but he uh, he really does come across like not as a, in a negative way. He's like a John. Like when he's just talking normally, I would compare him to John Goodman, where it's like, oh, I you know, this guy can go over the top, but he's for some reason he's real calm right now. Yeah, gentle giant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, th- I think a lot of the the casting with the soldiers ended up going over the top because that's just how Rhodes was doing it. But then when it's just the pilot and the radio operator and uh, Sarah, they're all real sort of calm, pretty chill, chill. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's the kind of thing that I wonder about, considering that we know from his track record that Romero has such a long going thing of trusting his actors to be yes, like, how would letting you do them it? do their thing yeah you do you, you yeah know? and that uh, he george romero said that joe Pilato would come to him after some takes and be like why did you let me do it that like over the top and george would be like i'm loving it like you're it's what you saw you're doing yeah you're doing exactly what i want so well, that's what i was wondering about is like because really all that Rhodes does in this is scream is fucking scream <laughs> yeah. he is like raging yeah. angry bill pullman mm-hmm. he looks like rage bill pullman he does. in this movie <laughs> rage pullman and I was, I was just wondering if like on the set if he would have these discussions with Romero, he's like okay uh george i'm going into this scene here uh we're having this meeting what's my what's my motivation what yelling 
I should yell? Yeah, just yelling. Okay. Uh, then, like, you know, a week later, it's like, okay, now we're filming this other scene where... Yeah, yelling. Go with yelling. I should scream? Yeah, scream. Just more of that. Like, as loud as you can. <laughs> My throat's beginning to get very no, sore. No. We, seriously, when he's like, what does he say? I, I'm in charge of this monkey mon- show or whatever he uh, says. Yeah, th- I, watching that again, I was like, like, at some point his voice is gonna, cause like, gonna he's go just out. like, so, he is intense as fuck. Yeah. But it, ne- like, it's like right at the end, like, ah, you hear a little bit. <laughs> Starting like, to crap out. So God he's damn. Eludence. I bet he couldn't have done that more than once. There's no way. This is Unless one of he stumbled the... over something and then he was like, I'll do it tomorrow. There's yeah. no fucking way I can do that again today. I'm going to say this is the most aggro movie we've done since Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> yeah. Like, everybody in <laughs> yes. Sleepaway Camp is, like, inches away <laughs> yes. from murdering each other. But in Sleepaway Camp, the, the impetus for them being so aggro is they're from Jersey. Oh, and, uh, this, and they're in puberty. the world has ended. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that's the thing. is like It's not like it's just Rhodes that's raging. Like you said, all the other soldiers and stuff are just yeah. intense as fuck. Uh, Sarah, dude, I love that scene where she's leaving that meeting. She's like, thank you, sir. Fuck, Fuck you, you, sir. sir. Yeah. <laughs> Even like Rickles after he throws those zombies into the uh-huh. into Frankenstein's lab, he like turns back and like flips, flips them off to the birds. Zombies, like, Fuck yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody is so mean yeah. in this, dude. Well, but I mean, Bub's how? the nicest guy in the movie. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Bub is the nicest guy. He is the nicest guy. And he kills the villain, so. <laughs> Bub is clearly the hero. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. It is. That's true. He is the hero, for sure. And the most relatable character, maybe. Because you're just like, I'd read Salem's Lot. Sure. Sure, I'll check How it out. do you shave? I love that little... I recently had a shave. We both recently Look had shaving us, accidents, which proves that Bub is about as smart as us. I think you're right, dude. Yeah. There's times that I do <laughs> stupid shit like this yeah. where I'm like, why am I allowed to vote? Seriously. You know, where I'm just like, oh, I need to trim up this goatee here. Uh oh. Oh yeah, I, I did, fucked it up. I did the same just this week. So everybody's now listening to like the most hairless, dead and lovely podcast they've ever had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll probably sound clearer. We're a couple of shaven the, the hair hasn't uh, filtered. Maybe That's true, actually, yeah. the, does the beard filter out all the bad? Let me know if I sound like Mighty Mouse. Because if I do, then that means the beard helps. I actually shaved off my beard. I, I was going to trim it, and um, for some reason, the one millimeter guard and the nine millimeter guard look the same. That should not be. That should not that be. That should not anyway. be. So I immediately, I, I went, I went, and then I felt a bunch of hair fall, and I was like, oopsie. Oh, fuck. <laughs> We both <laughs> unhaired ourselves on accident. <laughs> so yeah, everybody's putting uh, putting their all into their performances right. and stuff in here. Yeah. And and like I said, there are some good ones. There are some characters in here that I think are just intrinsically fucking annoying. For sure. You know, like Rickle, Rickles is Rickles so is hard to deal with. Uh-huh. And Steel is Steel is hard. I would hate to be around that guy. Oh my god, yeah. he's just a racist piece of shit, yeah. dude. That would be the worst. Because like being around a racist that I'm bigger than is easy. <laughs> I can just be like, shut the fuck up. But a racist that's that big, it's like, well, I guess I either got to deal with this or leave. Because <laughs> this guy probably has a gun on him. One thing I don't really get, though, is that he frequently refers to Miguel, who is Hispanic, as yellow. Yeah, we, we do have the situation, I guess, where he's calling him yellow. And I, I, I wonder if some of it, like, they went with yellow because it's like... Uh, it's close to skin color, but they're also going for cowardly. cowardly or something. Yeah. yeah. 
Maybe, but I, it doesn't seem I, I, like that would be a reach. Yeah, I think so. just trying to explain it. Like I, I just think they were wrong. Like, yeah, <laughs> there were just a bunch of people who were like, "That's what they How call do you be them, racist? Right? I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is like the sweetest production meeting ever. Where a bunch really. of dudes are like, "Okay, how do you be racist? I've never met a racist. I think they call him by a color. Yeah. I don't know. Mm, he's uh, he's blue. Say, no, he's not blue. Mm, yeah, like what's yellow? The he's like a coward. Uh, okay, yeah, let's yeah, go with that. Let's call that Mexican yellow. <laughs> I'd love what? for that to be the case. I doubt that it. would be very yeah, sweet I doubt if it, it was. Yeah, it it's, really, it's really very would. possible that at that point in time, being called yellow uh, as, as a Hispanic person was a slur. Maybe. I mean, why would they just make one up? I don't know. Yeah, a lot of unlikable characters in this movie. Like, I'll, I'll say it makes it a less enjoyable experience. Because, yeah, like, you have to deal with people you hate so much. But at the same time, it's like realistic. I mean, when, yes. whenever you're at the end of the fucking world, yeah, where you don't even know if there's anybody else out here other These than y'all. Yeah, like the likelihood is you're gonna be stuck with assholes if you're at, like if you're if you were to pick if you made it randomly ten people from yeah. humanity and throw them together. Probably six of them are assholes. For sure, yeah. yeah. And, and it, again, it's realistic, but it's not necessarily, like, fun to watch. Yeah, it is. it does make it harder to watch. Like, the gore, for sure... Um, is the star. Is the star, but, it, like, it, it helps you along through the slog of how vile some of these people are and stuff. Yeah, like, I think so, too. It, you kind of get that fun, and then you do get... You do get the fun of, like... Um, uh, Sarah with her, uh, the, the other doctor she works with who dies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, they, they seem to be having a good time. And then, like, yeah, there's, like, the party with, uh, Bill and John and Sarah. So, like, there are moments of levity and moments of fun, but the majority is just a slog of depressing, hard to deal with, just crushing stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But dude, the gore in this is it's so good. Exceptional. This is Tom Savini like well, batting I, a I thousand. was gonna say at the top of his game, but he's always at the when is he he's never fallen off. Right? That's kind of the thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He dude, just gets better. He is uh truly a treasure. He really and is. his works are on full display in Hell this movie. Yeah. There are so many incredible kills and dismemberments yeah. and zombies and Good dude, God, dude. What's some of your like favorite moments my, of gore from this movie? My absolute favorite is the shovel kill. Oh, dude. Right? right. Because, not because it's the most brutal, but because no. you just don't see shit like that. You don't much. see shit like that. And then also the fact that it moves its eyes afterward because know, it's right? like you didn't sever enough of the spi- like the spinal cords and it's still alive. Yeah, dude. But without a jaw. Oh, it looks so good, man. Yeah. It looks so good. Yeah, I love all the scenes in Frankenstein's uh, laboratory. Yeah, uh, Dude, when that one zombie like gets up and all uh, of his guts, guts just spill, spill out. Oh. Uh, and then there's just the, the shot of just the guts hitting the floor. Yeah. And it's disgusting. It and is. Later she has that dream of Miguel doing the same thing. Right. With his guts just falling out. Mm-hmm. They're all rotten. And it's yeah. like the zombie doesn't even care about it because as they, they acknowledge, like they don't even have to have organs to function. They're just operating yeah. off of base instinct and shit like this. Yeah. Uh, oh man, I love those parts. And then, like I said earlier, that one uh, dude that's just been decimated down to like a brain stem. Yeah, yeah, Doctor, that looks Doctor Tongue. Yeah, disgusting. He was great. Oh no, the, oh, the oh no, Moose, Moose Clit. Clit sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moose Clit is amazing. Like just that. I don't know. Just like fine. 
like how much he pared away of the brain. Like yeah. how many times has he done it? This right. has this is the one success. How many times did he go too far and then it's like, oh, it doesn't work anymore. Sure. And it's just like a toy that doesn't he just throws it away. Like these are like toys to him, and people are risking their lives and dying for nothing. Sure. Which is I mean, uh on par for the mil like you you can understand the military's standpoint on this. Where and they say that, like, we're dying for this stuff, and then this is all you have. Like like they're being pushed by forces behind them that they believe are right. And then it turns yeah. out they're just crazy old men. Like, fuck. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, too, is like, even as far as like those, those numbers like you're talking about, that's where this movie, I think, gets into the way that even whenever you're just banded together as, you know, whatever, 14 people in this bunker, everybody will still uh, fragment off into their own little segments of their groups and shit. Because even though they're all the last humans on Earth and they're fighting this zombie horde, there's this huge fight among the scientists versus the military personnel where the military personnel are like, well, we've had four people die and you guys have had one. Yeah. That's not fair. Right. And it's like, no, we're all humans and we're in this yeah. together. But everybody's still factioning off. Yeah. I mean, it it would be a strong statement about like the military if it weren't that these guys volunteered to continue doing this despite the fact the military fell apart. Sure. What it then says is a lot about them, about how they can't deal sure. with yeah. regular everyday interactions. Like they couldn't have, they could have at any time stopped wearing the fatigues. They could have just used their guns when they were outside. They could oh, have, they just have to been, maintain. They could have been yeah. relaxing like the, the pilot and yeah, the radio the guy. Ritz. Like there's no reason to be, so up in arms about yeah, it's still all on the job 24 7 yeah right? like there's no reason for it they're choosing to do it that's yeah. the only life they understand so it's 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 i can get i can be sympathetic to them but at the same time all my sympathy is always just like i wouldn't do that i couldn't do that that's no, not the type huh. of human that uh i think of as a good person yes yeah, who just can't rel relinquish the little bit the of power they had yeah. and, and just deal with what they're in like just say like this is it this is we're it so we should probably be nice to each other because like what the hell else is there in the yeah, world there's nothing left yeah dude how did you feel about that scene where it looks like kenny Loggins' body double <laughs> gets graphically dismembered and his head ripped off oh Dude, how sick is that? That was badass. And then whenever that zombie like pulls his head off, he puts his fucking fingers in his yeah. eyes like a goddamn like bowling, a bowling ball. ball. Yeah. <laughs> and the way that the scream like pitches up as his head yeah. is being ripped off into this like crazy fucking cheetah noise. Yeah. It's so undescribably weird and disturbing to me. Yes, it is. I think it's fucking awesome, it man. And it's just unflinchingly violent. Like there's oh, yeah. no cutaway. There's no, no now we need to close up on his eyes as he's freaking out. Now we need to close yeah. up on the zombies. It's just like this one shot. I think shot. you can get away with a lot of that because of Tom Savini's effects. Because yeah. Tom Savini's effects are so good, you don't have to mask them with quick cuts. Like, no, huh. So you can show just this brutal thing happening, and it looks so real. Uh, I think Rhodes' death, for instance... Yeah. Is pretty fucking amazing. Oh man, when he gets like ripped in half, yeah. he's like choke on, choke on, yeah, just hard ass till the yeah. end. Yeah, um, oh, it looks so good, man. And those are real intestines. 
Okay, so, here's the thing uh-huh. <laughs> about that. Yeah, because yeah. Rhodes's death is then uh, followed with a couple minutes of just like zombies feasting. It's yeah. just the zombies are in the base and they're just all eating. just chewing shit up. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, these are all like volunteers basically. Right. They, they got paid a contractual one dollar uh-huh. to be in the movie. But here's the thing. So all of those entrails and shit that they're all snacking on and going to town on, uh, those are actual like pig entrails yeah, and stuff. That's the real stuff, just like they did on Night of the Living Dead and on Day of the Dead with a lot of it. But the problem Our is the Dead, is that in this particular case, those were stored in a refrigerator until filming time that was accidentally unplugged by a custodian. I know. I know. Yeah, I heard this story on the documentary, and they were rotten. They were rotten, rotten fucking pig yeah. entrails. And whenever the the skin burst open, uh, that like, uh, so Joe Pilato, uh, what's his name? Rhodes. He had decided, like, as his skin ripped open, he would take a deep breath to just start, like, ah! So he, as the skin ro- broke open, he took a deep breath and got a mouthful oh. of rotten entrails. And oh. so you can see it on his face. Like, where, where it's just like, oh, Because they God. only got the one, they only had one shot to do it, oh, really. Oh, revolting. So you can see it on his face where he's just like, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Which any of us probably would be if we were seeing our own guts being ripped out right, of our body. So, so it works. Kind of yeah. works. <laughs> oh, that's so disgusting, dude. But but then again, like Romero's fans were so hardcore. They were just like, I signed up for this. I'm going to chomp down on these yeah. things. Oh, it's so fucking nasty. Yeah. And weren't they like filming inside a mine? Yeah, they were filming inside no a airflow there. This, this is something, this was like a, a completely brand new thing to me that I didn't realize that I thought this was all sets. I figured it was sets, for it sure. all shot in a mine in Pennsylvania. You know, uh, Romero shoots, specifically likes to shoot in Pittsburgh, but yeah, around yeah, the area. Place. So this is in Pennsylvania. This is a mine that is a bomb shelter and Whoa. like all the stuff in there was just there. Like they didn't bring all those RVs or anything. I was wondering about that. I was like, yeah. where did they fucking get these RVs yeah. from and shit? But it does give the impression that there were a lot more people there before. Like that it there was a huge amount of people there before and they've slowly all died off down to this amount of people. Hmm. Because why else would they be there in the movies logic? I guess so, yeah. Yeah. That's, again, that makes it even more grim. I know. Uh, the, so anyway, yeah, but these, these mines, uh, apparently they are, they're constant 50 degrees, which, you know, code. is a little cold and they're super high moisture. So it fucked with a lot of Savini's effects. Now, oh. you, obviously Savini figured out how to get around all this and whatnot because it looks amazing, but oh, yeah. Andy Savini, but, uh, it, it was definitely like a big problem and they're down there for like, uh, three months and God, like, dude, no sunlight, no nothing. Uh, well, like they would, they would come up, you know. But like, still, it's you know, most of you. your most of your day shooting can go from from like eight to eighteen hours, and even longer. Oof. Like, so you can be there forever. Uh, and like, they they were talking. Some of the crew were talking about like after a while, people would just start coughing, and they'd cough up like just black sort of phlegm because Jesus. there was all this like dust and shit in the air because it was relatively undisturbed most of the time. Yeah. 
I've, I've got like a big like mine phobia. Really? Oh my god! Well, just I, like honestly, anything like underground or like caving. Huh. Or, yeah, so I'm like claustrophobic. I love that stuff. No, I'm oh. like claustrophobic enough to where that really. Oh man! So you've never been to like the the flooded or what Fuck is it called? No. What is that thing? None of those cave systems. The no. cave systems up in yeah, all the stuff in in Sevier County. Those yeah, cave systems that. are awesome, dude. Anytime I see stuff of you know these like spelunkers and shit like going through those passages yeah, like, where you got to like. You know, damn, like, expel the breath from your lungs so you can fit through this uh-huh. crevasse. Yeah. Fuck that <laughs> shit. What if I accidentally take a breath? Dude, there's nothing past that that's worth me going yeah. through that. There's nothing. Yeah, like... I'm the, not doing it. So the descent, when we did it... Yeah, I believe dude. we talked about this, yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's like not that, for me. That movie didn't even have to have monsters to be scary for a lot of people. <laughs> nope, nope, just the caves. It's bad enough for me, yeah. man. Bad enough for me. I love that scene where she uh, chops Miguel's arm off. Oh Again, my god! Unflinching that's, it's so violence. quick, so so just smart, and let's try to figure this out. And dude, again, that that goes to show you too, just how Sarah's character is so unemotional and yeah. rational and logical. And practical, dude, like, like if I do this, I might save his life. Like she smashes his head with a big rock to knock him out. Yep, because <laughs> she knows I gotta cut this guy's yeah. arm off. I mean, the other option is kill him. Yeah. So quick. Got to do something. She might be like a sociopath or something. She might be, but I, I think a lot. I think you know, like what what you'll hear about like heroes in war, uh, not like that piece of shit that Trump pardoned who uh, shot a bunch of innocent people. Woof. Heroes in war um, tend to be the people who, despite all the craziness that's going around them, keep and despite headed. all like that might be going on in them, they keep a level head. Yeah, and yeah. she's a hero. She is able to do that, and like I would say. If if they showed the shots of her like alone, she probably breaks down a lot like by herself, but she doesn't show it to anybody else. One, because she knows showing any weakness in front of those soldiers is going to mean she's probably going to get raped. Well, that's the thing, man. Yeah. The scariest part about this movie is the constant threat. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, the scariest thing happening here is being the only woman maybe left alive yeah. in a base full of these like testosterone fueled maniacs. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty bad. Yes, it and, is. And there's like hints and allegations towards like yeah. what could happen. Yes. But they, and again, they, they reined it in a little and bit. That, that, okay, so we talked about last week about how, you know, the rape scene in Feast is just over the top and, yeah. and certainly tries to make it humorous for some reason. Uh, this, this movie realizes the actual like uh, fear qualities involved with rape. Like it's, it's, it's menacing like it uses that menace throughout so we're constantly a little worried about our protagonists we're always a yeah, little men- menace worried. is a good way to put yeah. it yeah there's kind of this constant sort of shadow yeah. over like this could go very bad very yeah. soon and we're uh, also constantly like seeing her be strong but also know like if it comes down to the like she has a gun but they also have guns and then it does come down to the moment where basically Rhodes is saying like kill her uh and 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 we see like actually yeah they they would have they would have killed her so they would have done they would have done anything to her like yeah. it, this tenuous piece is just tenuous constantly for sure like, yeah so that the edge is always there which is again why we're saying it's it's a hard watch from time. It's not <laughs> like, fun at times. Yeah, it's for not sure. fun. It, it, but it, it, I mean, I think it does perfectly sort of 
uh, illustrate how humanity probably would be in those situations. Totally. Well, and, is, and that's I one mean, of those things that I feel like I feel like we're not the first people having this conversation. No, for sure. Because I feel like a lot of the people that made in movies that were very influenced by oh, yeah. this, they had to have had the same talks. Oh, yeah. Because there's so many threads from this movie that you can mm. tell other flicks and books picked up and ran with yep. that they're like i i don't think they explored this exactly enough yeah for sure robert kirkman in the walking dead um really went full out on this sort of element like the kind we, of tr the tribalism of the survivors yeah, and, and like how how like normal everyday human disagreements we they they work because we have the belief in a like a structure and a society, but yeah. when that falls down, the the interactions tend to be intensified. Uh, same for say twenty eight days later, which Absolutely has so. yeah, I mean obviously has the entire military element and them trying to use women to repopulate. Like these are uh, ideas. Twenty eight takes a lot from this. Yes. I mean even the opening shots where uh, dude is walking around on the streets going. Hello. Yeah, that's uh -huh. the opening of oh, this yeah. movie. Yeah, and a similar situation where basically they just shut off a street in Fort Myers and put a bunch of trash in it, and then shot the scenes real quick, and then picked up all the trash and yeah. off they went. Get yeah. that crocodile in here. Yeah. Oh man, that crocodile. I love that crocodile coming that's out of the good, bank. That's that is cool. a good like addition because it's Florida. Like that would be true. Like if the the crocodiles weren't being stopped by cars and and humans, they'd probably be going into the city looking for flesh I like but they're not eating the zombies because right. it's rotten yeah. flesh yeah well that's that's what i think is cool too is it shows that like the crocodile survived the fucking dinosaur age it's like why yeah. would it go away it also survived the human age yeah right yeah. they're still fine fuck it yeah i, I think Werner herzog <laughs> tried to get it a little bit of that with the end of cave of forgotten dreams talking about al albino crocodiles but it's real hard to figure out Werner Herzog sometimes. I want to see the baby. Because you have to remember Cave of Forgotten Dreams is about uh, cave paintings in France, and it ends with a speech about albino crocodiles. So. <laughs> I'm not quite sure the point A to point B there. It's not a fictional movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that, that is interesting, though. I didn't think about that. Yeah, they survived. They've survived this long, and also they survived this human extinction. Like, yeah, yeah. I wonder, because I know that I did see in the documentary i know basically just it was the second unit director uh, who did all the miami shots he and ernest dickerson who directed demon knight oh yeah uh he was spike lee's cinematographer but this is before that it was when he was uh i think he had been doing spike lee but he this was like early in his career they shot all that and basically the idea was just well it's florida need a gator but now that you say that it's like yeah that has Soul meaning survivor. yeah yeah that has cool. like a lot of meaning of just like they just keep ticking like the ones that keep ticking are the cold-blooded ones and then sarah is the cold-blooded one she's the one that keeps ticking wow yeah, yeah i guess so i think that uh uh the girl with all the gifts definitely wouldn't have been yes. written without this yeah, i think no the way. idea of, of zombie rehab mm -hmm. is definitely yeah, that's what all straight uh, from here and, and of course girl with all the gifts you know it's a uh it, it's like a fungal like spore yeah i mean thing. yeah they take, like zombie, zombies. they take a different they take a different like approach to it but the general the idea gist, is zombies yeah. yeah and again they're learning to uh rehabilitate mm -hmm. and try to teach these zombie kids and stuff how to be civil yeah the, they, the movie is pretty good the the book is truly fucking excellent. yeah i've heard that i yeah. should check it out definitely check that out 
But yeah, this movie I feel like was very influential. Oh yeah, and then in all all sorts of other things like video games and stuff, where like the the inclusion of the military in zombie video games is almost like almost in every major zombie video game, you're gonna oh, get yeah. military or police presence, which is not actually that prevalent in most zombie movies. In most zombie movies, you just have a group of regular survivors. Yeah, yeah. They're they're really getting that authoritarian vibe, I think, from this bringing in these authorities making them the heroes is weird but whatever <laughs> right on yeah yeah i feel like some of those other flicks that we were talking about i think explore these topics maybe a little better than this movie in maybe. some ways yeah i mean because this one was trying to this i think explores a lot it yeah. goes into so much that some of those were more focused and 28 again, days you, later is very focus yeah. perhaps but but also too those movies had i mean damn near 20 years to look at this and figure out how to make it better it, yeah again, it, it's like yeah. the opposite of what we were talking about the the pet cemetery remake where uh-huh. it's like you had this long and, and this is what you came yeah, up you with you didn't come up with anything Fuck. better yeah so i feel like those uh those movies and stories kind of picked up the the ball and ran with this mm-hmm. i think a little better than this movie does but this was also trying to cover a lot of ground on not a ton of money yeah. So I'll yeah. allow it. I will too. <laughs> I will too. What do you think about the the pacing of this flick? I, I find that in in relation to a lot of other zombie flicks, it is very dialogue heavy. This is, is like if Quentin yeah. Tarantino wrote a zombie movie, yeah, it turned out kind of like this. I mean, the premise of this is they're separated from the zombies. The only contact they have with the zombies is voluntary, like they when they want to grab one to experiment on. So, yeah. like. Uh, the, uh, these actually, actually thinking about this reminds me of when everybody just suddenly gave up on The Walking Dead uh, in season two, I think, maybe or maybe season three. Um, everybody just sort of like gave up on it because it became so dialogue heavy. And as a huge fan of Day of the Dead and stuff, I was like, what? Uh, even Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead has so much it's dialogue true, it in it. Yeah. So does Night of the Living Dead. There's so much talking, like. So much of it is your enemies are slow. They're not breaking like World War Z the movie, not the book. The book is is great. But the movie had that like the super fast zombies that basically yeah, yeah. moved like liquid and shit and it's yeah, like yeah, they'd pile up on each other and stuff. Yeah, the the Romero zombie movies were not dealing with the idea of like a mass flood a of zombie. human bodies. It was dealing with the idea of how do you deal with this thing that is a slow moving creeping constant threat that you can get away from but you can also get overwhelmed by mm. like well, which again you... is very much like our prison system right true well, well, because uh, again going back, going back to even just the, the numbers thing it's like the guards to prisoners ratio they're mm-hmm. drastically outnumbered yep you know yeah they are so that kind of touched on it too. yeah no i agree with you yeah. anyway, anyway so yeah so like it's there is so much in Romero zombie movies that never reaches the high levels of action. Like I would say Night of the Living Dead has no major action moments no aside from bumps, no. uh aside from running to try to get gas in that truck and then the zombies overtaking them. That's like the highest action moment. Yeah. So like I, I think the real tradition of zombie movies is more dialogue lower action more of a, a slow plotting threat yeah um and, and then you know things like 
28 Days Later and, and later other stuff would sort of up that to give him some speed and make it more of a more of a I don't know what it's saying what like this this seems to be saying that like you know there's there's this creeping threat and in each one of Romero's movies the creeping threat is something different um but in 28 days later there's no it's not creeping threat it's a fast threat but what is it like I it, I don't think there's any mm. like actual meaning behind 28 days later where there is meaning behind these gotcha yeah yeah, yeah it is very dialogue driven and I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that this isn't a, oh my God, I just turned a corner and there's a zombie movie. Yeah. You know, it's like the zombies are contained up top by that fence. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, boy, it's easy to contain zombies. Just fucking put some shitty chicken wire fence around. I mean, that's that's all? Well, that's I all mean, you need? And, and Robert Kirkman in, in uh, Walking Dead, like, really was able to deal with that smartly that eventually they... they could break through the fence so like they would go and just stab them through the head through the fence yeah day every day so that you know you don't get too much of a buildup because they will crush through that fence yeah yeah but again they all stayed underground to try to like limit the amount of noise to try to stop more zombies from coming but ultimately like the end of the day the the threat the terror isn't really the zombies i mean they have no, them nicely theory. pinned up underground yeah. they have them fenced off up upstairs it's each other yeah it's the each other, other. Threats each other. Yeah, yeah it's like the way that people react to this horror business going on is actually the the real threat yeah. i did find that there were there were scenes in there that i think just went on too long like that the first scene in there whenever they have like the big meeting where Rhodes is like i'm under command here and yeah explain to me what you scientists are doing and shit that scene seems Maybe to last long. about 20 minutes or something like that. Okay. And, and then even the scene where Sarah goes off to see uh, Bill and John at the right. Ritz, that whole kind of outdoor patio scene, uh, that seems to last a really long time to me, you know? And it's not a super long movie. What is it's it? Not, hour, it's hour 40. Hour 40. Yeah. I feel like some of that probably could have been nipped down because I don't feel like Maybe. any of it was particularly like impactful or important or stuff I wouldn't have gleaned without those scenes. Right. Like you don't need as much exposition from Rhodes to get what's going on. Yeah. Though it's it's possible that's because we're so accustomed to that type of story now. Whereas in eighty five the, the the concept had to be introduced because it really hadn't been introduced yet. Yeah, this yeah. concept of these people underground in a post apocalyptic world like Post-apocalyptic worlds had existed, Last Man on Earth or Omega Man, etc. But like, uh, those were a little more guys still living in a house on Earth and having regular sort of day-to-day interactions by himself. But th- these are people stuck in this. It's almost it's, they're underground and the dead are above ground. Like they're they're mm, kind of the opposite, huh? Yeah, they're yeah. in a coffin where the dead are walking free and that's driving them insane. Hmm. So yeah, yeah. I think maybe, maybe some of it could have been cut, but also maybe it just needed to be there to explain a premise that people wouldn't have understood immediately in 1985. Well, another concept in here, I'm not exactly sure I understand is all the, all the dream stuff. Yeah. This is kind of one of those things I see under debate a lot. Like how much of the movie is a dream? Is it all a dream? Is none of it a dream? I don't. I I don't think it's a dream, though I I can see the argument for it. My argument would be that the opening is obviously a dream that she wakes up from. Yeah. 
Right. The the dates the on events, the calendar seem to be significant. Yeah. The the events of the movie tell us that she ends up on a beach with uh, John and Bill. Yeah. So if she's waking up from a dream on the beach with John and Bill, yes, she could have been having a nightmare about everything that happened to them while they were underground. But I believe that is what happened. It is it is what occurred that led to them leaving in a helicopter and ending up on the beach. So it could all be a dream, but a dream of actual real true events. Well, here's the thing is I, I think that that's reinforced by a few different visual things that we see mm-hmm. in the movie about her dream. So I mean, like I said, obviously the intro to the movie with her looking at the calendar. And yeah, the hands through, come through the wall. That's dream logic. But right. it's also based on things that she's seen because right. we later see the, in hands, the bunker. Yeah, coming through the, the walls when they're like. Well, and not only that, but that, that calendar that she's looking at. It's October and it's like a pumpkin patch. Oh, right. That actual calendar is in the bunker. Yeah. There is so, an October calendar with a pumpkin patch Right, on so the the idea that her dream... Well, then, of course, if you're stuck underground all the time, your dreams you are just to be out. those things. Like, And then later on, too, when she has the dream about Miguel's guts falling out, that's because mm-hmm. she saw She saw that, it earlier. Yeah. yeah, that thing happened. So, so it's like her dreams are based in things that yeah. she's seen, for I sure. I can believe maybe this is a dream and... and uh, but it's a dream of true events, and so maybe the over-the-top nature of things could be explained by the fact that it's happening within a dream. But I, I think that actually then undercuts a lot of the things we said about yeah, why the so. soldiers are over-the-top. Yeah. I think they're supposed to be over-the-top, which is why I think we're shown her having two separate dreams, but it's not meant to tell us, like, this whole thing is a dream. Yeah, the very last cut there where, you know, she's fixing to get in the helicopter and those zombies jump out, and then she wakes up and she's on the beach. Yeah, that seems like a nightmare. I'm not going to say that was super necessary. I mean, I think that if that movie was was made today, they would get to the chopper, and there'd be zombies there, and they'd fucking chop the zombies up with the helicopter blades. Well, of course that's what they'd do. Yeah, because it's always the best. Snyder had remade it, yeah. I love it. (laughs) I love getting to see people get chopped up by helicopters. I I mean, I do. I think the ending has, like, I think it is a happy ending. I I mean, it is mentioned in the documentary that her name is Sarah because Sarah is, like, mother of nations in the Bible. Oh, so the shit, implication is that, that she, at the end, she is in fact going to have huh. babies, and they're going to then populate the earth. What do you think Bub's doing down there, under there, with all of his zombie brethren and stuff that are kind of probably trying to read Salem's him. Lot upside down? Probably. <laughs> I love that little love letter to Stephen King in yeah. there too, because we're married. It was a nice nod. Yeah. It's like, yeah. hey, could you put my new book in there? Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think those zombies will probably just wonder, like. That's the thing about zombies is if if they don't have something to eat, they just wander around and then eventually stop moving until maybe they hear a noise. Yeah. So they stay on that island long enough. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Now, one of the things that people love or hate or are just confused about about this movie is the soundtrack. It is odd. What do you think about the soundtrack? It's in this strange. Movie? It's, it's odd, weird. right? Yeah. It's just weird to me. Yeah. Honestly, like I think whenever you watch it the first time, you go, "Oh man, it's just so fucking '80s." But then, honestly, especially with you having just recently been playing through Final Fantasy yeah, VI, like it sounds it, like '90s RPG music. Yeah, y'all. like it, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, it definitely has that. Like I, I could be playing this. This is a platformer. Dave the Dead, the platformer. Yeah. 
You're just I mean, jumping to me, around collecting a lot, shit. A lot of it reminds me of a Sleepy Town RPG music. Yeah. Like th- a lot of this music could be in Chrono Trigger. Oh, for sure. You know? Oh, Chrono Trigger. Right. Great. I don't know. Like, I like soundtracks like this that go in directions that I never would have. Yeah. A lot of Argento soundtracks I love for the same reasons. I'm like, I never would have thought to put that here. And I like that about it. There's times that I like this. mm, There's other times where I'm just like, this just doesn't really fucking fit at all. That probably is what they're aiming at, though. The Italian audience was big for Romero films. So, like, probably aiming at at the Giallo audience with this sort of offbeat Giallo soundtrack. But it, it does, I don't think it works in the way that. Because a Giallo movie is never as serious as this. Yeah, never as... Yeah. Uh, they, uh, they are over the top, for sure. But people are over the top for no reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's never just, like, centered in reality and humanity. Right, yeah. It's always supposed to be. to be sort of dreamlike and weird. Yeah, yeah. so Whereas, the soundtrack in this gets kind of distracting it does. to me. There's, like, weird, like, Caribbean-sounding steel drums at yeah. times. yeah. I, I did I did wonder why they had John do that. Like I guess it's supposed to be Haitian accent, but then because I'd always because I, I saw him just speaking and he doesn't have a Haitian accent, and I was like, why did they have him do that? Then I realized like, oh, Haitian voodoo zombies. They're, I didn't they're think about that. Connecting back to I like, thought he was Jamaican. He said I don't know. He doesn't he say something. I don't know if he ever says anything about where I he's from. I thought he was Haitian for some reason. I just thought he wanted to get in the whirly bird. Do go down to the right beach. Right near the beach. <laughs> be, the, be the rude boy. <laughs> yeah. It had to happen in this episode. It did, of it course. It had to happen. Yeah, I think. But that's. I guess why I thought he was Haitian is because when you portray Jamaican on screen, there have to be dreadlocks. Like, like if he was supposed to be Jamaican. Especially in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I just assumed Haitian, but yeah. You might not be wrong. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, Yeah, he wasn't like Bob Marley enough to be an 80s Jamaican in a horror movie. Yeah, they would want it to be more over the top. Man. (laughs) And you're right, that does kind of bring in the the Haitian voodoo. Yeah, I I think that's what they were going for, was just bringing it back to the connection of where it all started. Because Romero was the one to pervert it. I mean, he was the one to go away from the Haitian voodoo zombie to this undead zombie yeah yeah it's a cool flick man it is it's a cool flick like i'm not gonna say that it's one of my one of my favorites of all time i mean it's one of those i think i have to be in a certain mood to watch (laughs) yeah yeah you gotta be you gotta be willing to get a little depressed i guess because it it is just so bleak and i mean the fact that the movie is basically all underground and it's just so gray and Mm -hmm. prison like and you've got all these angry ass characters that are just being awful to each other all the time Mm -hmm. it's not like a fun time romp of a flip i would not say that not like dawn of the dead like dawn of the dead though it it has very depressing moments it's like there are a lot of real fun moments the montage where they're like shopping basically in the shopping mall the uh tom savini punks that all show up and tom savini's got the switchblade comb that he uses on his mustache like there's so so many like goofy moments in that yeah, and same uh, same with the other ones like I mean Shaun of the Dead. And shit yeah, like exactly. That. But this is this is one where pretty bleak. Yeah, not not a whole lot of goof. Yeah, but again, I, I still see it as being profoundly important and influential to other movies and series that came after it. The special effects are just fucking amazing. Yeah. I mean, if you want to see some of the best on-screen zombie yeah, special effects, this. they're right yeah. here. They really are amazing and a huge step up from Dawn. Yeah. 
I mean, the effects in this are way better than way Dawn. Better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, just the unflinching violence. I mean, it's oof. all the all the headshots, man. Like Steel, like killing himself. You know, that was a, a character choice in the script. He was supposed to get eaten, like yeah. all the other ones. But uh, Steel, he wanted to have a sort of redemption, not a full redemption, but just to like add some depth to the character. Really, to have him cross himself and then shoot himself. Where it's like. We've seen Steel with all this bravado up to this point, but then now it's like in in the final moment, like he he shows some weakness, but then also makes the the practical choice, which is I don't I don't want to get eaten alive. Yeah. I'll shoot myself. Damn. Yeah. So I, I mean, again, Romero being fucking so open to his actors, where he was just like, yeah, that is better. And they went with it, and it's so effective. Wow. Yeah. Even like Mercy kills that one guy. Yeah. Like shoots him in the yeah, head. Yeah, so there's a little redemption to steal there at the end where it's like he's all bluster, maybe. Like maybe that's just how he knows how to talk to people. But maybe he is kind because of, like the only people he fully mistreats are dead people. Yeah. Like and they're dead. Oh, so we don't care. <laughs> I think it's really fun to watch this and like I said, see it as a couple of the different views that you could take towards crime and punishment and the justice system and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's fun to watch it through that lens and see how these other people treat these dehumanized yeah. creatures who they decided are no longer human. Right, and then they're being told they are a little bit. That That's the craziest thing whenever um, uh, the doctor is telling Bub to say whatever it is to my aunt Anne or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's, he, like, kind of does it. And in the background, if you pay attention, Rhodes drops what he's holding. Oh, wow. And his face is just like... And then he gets mad. Yeah, because like, what if I was wrong? Fuck, yeah. I'm not wrong. Yeah. It's... it's um, There are a lot of great performances in this movie. But again, it is, as you said, it's... Not one you want to watch all the time. You got a you got like a rating you want to slap on this thing? Oh man! So, uh, I mean, if if I were if I were putting in order Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, it would be Dawn of the Dead, yeah. Night, and then Day. I agree. Right? Yeah, I agree. Uh, so Day doesn't reach the classic level that Night does. It doesn't have the same sort of element of fun but also like very likable characters that dawn does but i i think it it does what it sets out to do really effectively it certainly sets out to portray a bleak world and does that really well yeah um and i I like it for that and i like it for for introducing all of that but it also isn't isn't my favorite thing to watch because of how crushing that can be but I would say if I'm giving this a rating, I'm going to go probably eight and a half. Eight and a half? Or, yeah. Yeah. So pretty damn high. Pretty damn high. Yeah. I know what you mean. Because like I said, the, the the special effects and everything in this are just undoubtedly fucking yeah. amazing. I mean, this movie without Savini and them doing oh, the yeah, effects. Oh, yeah. Then it would just be ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't yeah. matter how good the acting was. But, it would, in fact, be more ridiculous because of the ridiculous effects. Like, yeah. You would just be like... Your acting is stupid, and I hate you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's like, I'm such a slave for just, like, do I have fun while I'm watching this? Like, mm. like to me, I think, I think, because things are usually just so fucking hectic 24-7 with everything yeah. that I do. It's like, when I watch a movie, I want it to, like, make relax. me feel good and yeah. relax and have fun, mm-hmm. uh, which I know does limit me from probably getting the full enjoyment out of 
really legitimately amazing pieces of cinema that are just depressing as fuck. Yeah. Because I'm just not often in the mood to watch something like that. Yeah. And also, too, I think the world's just fucked up enough as it is now. Yeah, that I think... It's nice I, to have a little fun, Yeah, maybe, you know? maybe the last four years has affected a lot of that, because I do Possibly. remember watching a lot more depressing movies before. Yeah, because yeah. there was more hope in the world, Yeah, I think. and it was just like, oh, this will be fun. <laughs> Let's cosplay being sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's imagine things where the world isn't great, right? That's fun. Yeah. Uh, so I think ultimately in the name of just total how much I enjoy watching this movie, I think for me it's it's lower. I think it's like six and a half to me. Oh, okay. You know, where, again, I, I see the merit. I think that other flicks probably picked it up and did it a little bit better later on, but Maybe, yeah. nothing but respect for the level of innovation yeah. and, again, special effects supremacy of this flick. Weird soundtrack for sure. Yeah. Strange. Very weird. Very strange. But still, definitely one that everybody needs to fucking see. Like, mm. to me, it's odd because I'm going to call it a six and a half for my own enjoyment, but I'll also say, yes, every horror fan needs to fucking oh, see yeah, this, this is movie. A, this is a must Required see. watch. Yeah. Required watching. Uh, I'm just going to... This is just a real quick, and I'm throwing it at the end just so nobody who uh, hears it will think I'm being very serious about it. <laughs> but I, it was the mid-80s. And they decided to shoot in southern Florida for some reason. I mean, I'm just saying. Is it possible they shot only in southern Florida outside just to do a coke run? (laughs) They're just like, all right, look, we're going to need a lot of coke. We're going to be in that bunker for three months. Yeah, there might have been some very busy Yeah, just take some shots of the streets or whatever. You want me to put zombies in them? Yeah, I don't care. Whatever. Whatever. It's a lot of coke. (laughs) You might be right. Yeah. Now, Steve, next week on the show, we're going to be covering a, a flick that we've been meaning to get to for fucking ever. Yeah. And uh, on that episode, we're going to be digging into something for the Preview Palace, which is going very well so far. A couple of weeks yeah. ago, I uh, notified our listeners to go in there and rate and review the show on iTunes. And uh, in your review, pose a question that you want to ask us. Yeah. We've gotten a bunch. Yeah. And if you if you have already reviewed, you can go back and edit. Yeah. And it, it'll sort of update it, so we'll see your question. So if you've already reviewed and you want to go and attack on a question, do it. Yeah, do it, yeah. do it. On next week's episode, before we get into the movie review, we're going to be answering some of those questions off of iTunes reviews. And that's going to be a periodic thing on the show from here yeah. out, because I love hearing from you guys and I interacting with y'all. And, and that's uh, usually more entertaining, I think, than us coming up with... Uh, some of our uh, preview palaces that I think sometimes they get to, to be reaching a little, a little bit, bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes they don't really fit. But we'll force that square peg in. I, that's why we put a timestamp on every yeah. episode telling you Just right skip where it we if get you don't to want the movie. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna be doing that before we review Paranormal Activity. Yeah. I'm glad that we're doing this uh, because this is a movie that I defend a lot to horror movie fans. It's easy to hate it. It's easy to hate it. And I did the first time I saw it. I hated on it the first time I saw it. I was like... (laughs) Then I watched it by myself. Like, truly by myself. And it had a different effect. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. These are pretty good. And I've seen all of them. And uh, I'll talk some about the other ones. Because the first one is actually the third chronologically. Oh. Yeah. It actually goes three, two, one. It's a little wibbly wobbly there. Huh? Timey wimey. Huh. Yeah. Well, we'll be talking in depth about that thing uh, on next week's episode, and you guys be sure to tune in for that. Again, rate and review on iTunes, post a question on there, and we will answer it on another episode. 
Uh, in the meantime, y'all can follow us on the social media. At Dead Lovely Pod on Instagram and Twitter. That's right. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Dead and Lovely. That's fa- the Facebook group. Uh, YouTube.com forward slash Dead and Lovely. That's our YouTube channel. We're everywhere. We're all over the place. Just look for us. But most importantly, yeah. we're on patreon.com that's right forward slash dead and lovely yeah damn right yeah go over there become a patron uh you gave us a dollar a month if you want whatever uh you can also give us five dollars a month and you can submit a movie title for random drawings mm-hmm. that we have once a month and also we just pick movies from those submissions because yeah, we can't think of hear. anything else to do yeah it's a good way to give yeah. us direct feedback on what you yeah. guys want to hear on the show because sometimes yeah. sometimes we're at odds and we're like should we do just some random shit that's on Netflix yeah. that nobody's ever heard of? Or should we do some beloved horror gem or right. something in between, you know? Yeah. So it's always nice to have you guys suggestions. This Day of the Dead was from Dave Barnett. So uh, we're happy to get these movies. Also, Feast was from uh, Jason, Jason Codera. Yeah. Movie we'd never heard of. So again, we, we go from like a horror classic to a movie we never heard of. It's real fun. So please uh, go over there, become a $5 patron, uh, give a suge- suggestion. Maybe we'll pull it randomly. Maybe we'll just decide to cover Do it, it for the hell of it. Yeah. That's right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And we will catch you guys next time talking about paranormal activity. So do some homework, watch the flick, and uh, buckle up for a good time coming at you in seven days buckle up buckaroos <laughs> you guys have been fantastic we've been dead and lovely alright Steve so I've got to ask you this is one of those popular topics that's often discussed often debated it's a hot topic yeah it's a hot topic it's called very much debated in like the psychological circles and stuff like that. Uh-huh. I want to know your hot take on this and see what you feel about this. Okay. Do you believe in naughty by nature uh-huh. or naughty by nurture? Well, uh, I mean, I've, I've seen naughty by nature's rap videos, so they do exist. So seems there you to go. Be pretty, I believe in them. Seems to be pretty real. Must be saying. it. Yeah. Now that you mentioned, it, I've never seen a naughty by nurture video. Yeah. I'm not even sure they actually rap. Wow. Get out of here, naughty by nurture.